listening to the Michael Geeky Podcast. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Mike Geeky Podcast, the podcast that goes deep so you can level up your at-home mycology, mushroom hunting, mushroom foraging, mushroom tinkering around game. Uh, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. If it involves fungi, particularly mushrooms, this is probably going to be for you. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Geeky, and uh, tonight I'm trying to figure out why my headphones are not. Hold on. Here we go. All right. Sorry, we're live and I'm rusty uh, with the lives. And I just got back from NAMA, uh, if you haven't heard. Uh, got in about 2 a.m. last night after a really long car ride. Uh, Southern Ohio, it's a little boring, guys. Um, anyway, I, and I, I took a bunch of gear, so I had to re uh, reassemble the studio and, and be a dad and, you know, do a bunch of other stuff. So anyway, <clears throat> here we are. Uh, so, yeah, I took a trip. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, guys, I've been married, I don't know, almost 15 years. And I don't think I've ever gone on a trip by myself since I got married. So it felt weird. I'm like, I like this. I get to hang around people who are just talking about mushrooms all day. They can't stop talking about mushrooms. I mean, there were a couple times where I'm like, oh, my God. Can I hang here? These guys really like mushrooms. Oh, wait a minute, Geeky. You like mushrooms too. It's okay. Anyway. So yeah, uh, you know, we went here. Appalachian Nama 2023, Hendersonville, North Carolina. Uh, my sister lives down that way, though I've never been uh, to Canuga or anywhere like that. Um, haven't really hung out in the Appalachian Mountains, and uh, it was kind of cool. Had a lot of a uh, lot of interesting people down there. I think well over four hundred people showed up. Um, so you know what? I, what have we had? I think I think at our max we've had maybe close to four hundred, at least three hundred. I know we had three hundred people live at one point in time. So this is more than that. This was four hundred people, and you know you're you're there, so you get to talk and interact, and you know find out what who found what, and you know what what's rare and what's common, and all that good stuff. So anyway, it, it was a lot of fun. We're going to talk about it tonight. Uh, that video, you know, give you a little taste. Um, you know, when I met Ed, uh, Ed Grant, I, uh, that was my first real mycologist, right? Who, who I knew, uh, really, he probably still is the only one I can say I actually know well. And, uh, going down to NAMA, there's a bunch of them. Uh, there were quite a few professors, uh, you know, mycology professors, botany professors, uh, who are quite enamored by fungus. Um, anyway, so a lot of experts, a lot of PhDs, a lot of, you know, adjacent PhDs, a lot of doctors where this is their hobby, you name it, really smart people who've loved mushrooms for a really long time, um, and of course, uh, let me just paint a picture. If you guys are not already affiliated with one of your local uh, mushroom clubs, there are uh, there are some hardcore people. Like, you know, you you see a mushroom, you got to consult a book. You're trying to do dichotomous keys. 
and, 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 you know, it takes you hours, right? And then there are people you meet at these events and they'll just look at it. They'll do the instantly have like a test they're going to do. They'll scratch the gills as latex come out, milky caps. Uh, you know, what, what does the, the margin feel like? Is it cottony? Is it, is it firm? And they do like two or three little diagnostic tests and then they know what, what it is. Bam. Out of, you know, I don't know, 5,000, 10,000 mushrooms. They, the name and genus and species. It's crazy. It's definitely humbling to be around those people. And, uh, so I, I, I thought what better person to bring on tonight, uh, to kind of talk about what I did down there, what I saw, what I experienced than somebody, the only mycologist I know, Ed Grand PhD. So let's pull him on here. All right. Hello. What's up, man? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm tired. Not going to lie. Um, I'm also like, I got a little obsessed, started doing the INAT observations. Uh, um, you know, down there was really into that. I didn't go on every foray I could, um, Cause I just, I'm getting a hang of it, right? Like you, you gotta, uh, next year I'm going to be ready. Um, and, and I'll probably do a show about it because I'm, I'm hoping that I can get a bunch of my viewers here, uh, to, to come down and hang out with me and, and, and do some, some foraging. It's going to be in Washington state, um, uh, end of October. So uh, a good season, right? Like should be damp, oh, yeah. should be moist, should yeah. be. Not like it was down down in North Carolina this weekend. It was stifling. It was 90. It apparently hadn't rained for any substantial amount of time in a long time. And uh, so I roll in and I immediately start hearing murmurings of this guy didn't show up. Oh, did you hear this guy didn't show up? Of course, all people, I don't know who they are because I'm brand new to NAMA. Um, and then I start hearing like the, there are people who are tracking precipitation maps, almost like the tornado hunters that like follow weather, right? So they they did their assessment and their assessment was that NAMO was going to be a bus this year and they didn't show up and they're like off somewhere else. And my first thought is, wow, so there are other Alan Rockefellers in the world? Like there are oh. other people that are like totally completely chasing the weather or the the rare mushroom find they're hoping to get. Like he's one of many people doing this. Mm -hmm. So, so that was interesting, but I tell you what, I, I think they're not done, but I think they're on track to break the record for the most species, uh, from a foray. I think right now on INAT, it's about 450. Um, here, I actually pulled it up. Yeah. Sometimes four fifty three. It, it pushes people to go look in the weirder places. True. You know, so you might, instead of just walking through the woods or down a trail, you end up like looking under some rocks by a creek bed or something like that, or just right. like weird, ripping open logs. You, and finding you get more you desperate. Yeah. 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 And then you yeah. end up with a lot of the weird little ascomycetes and some yep. slime molds that nobody would have, it wouldn't been a, your tables like, you know, a tenth of the size it would be, but all of the right. finds are really, really cool because it would be things that you wouldn't normally, oh, Lactarius volemus, like you find right. that every time you go out, but right. then you see some weird mixo or some little tiny ascomycete. There's always some guy who knows all the ascomycetes. Right. 
yeah. they, they got some weird European monograph about the Pisa Lelies or whatever. Oh, yeah. You know? it's oh, just yeah. like, oh, Speaking okay, of that, that, man, so they had a silent auction. They had this little room where they were uh, doing a silent auction. So I go in there, and uh, the first thing I notice is Alan Bassett's name on a bunch of the books. So I'm sitting there going, Oh, I'm going to, oh, if you, oh, he's only bidding five bucks. Shit. I'm going to get that book off him. So, so Geeky's over here thinking he's going to get a bunch of these like old rare monograph mm-hmm. books. And, uh, some of them were, they actually like would have little stickers that would say what famous mycologist collection it had come from. And, uh, anyway, then the, on Saturday night when it was about to end, I uh, I walk in that room and like every book's one to three hundred dollars and I'm like yeah. okay I'm out mm-hmm. I can't that's too rich for my blood. That's when I started looking for those PDF files, some of the old like yeah. lactarius books and all these weird things yeah. that they're just they, you can't get them anymore. And the ones you do oh, get no. are falling apart. They're just like you don't even want to take them out in the field. You know, you yeah. just like sit. They sit by the microscope at home and you now, <laughs> open them with the tweezers. <laughs> Now I thought about you because they had um an identify mushrooms to genus one of those books they had the modern genre uh is it genera or genera I think I heard it pronounced a couple ways and I'm still confused genera I was I say genera I've okay. heard a lot of people saying genre but isn't genre like a music genre right. it's yeah, I think they're getting so the genera turn genera yeah that's genera. the way I've okay. always heard it said but I keep I hear people saying genera or genre and then it turns into genre it's, it's like when I say genera. what 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 do I say for Myo, I always oh, said meiosis. Oh, meio. yeah. meiosis. Meiosis. If you ever want to get actually, Ed mad, just say meiosis, guys. According <laughs> to like the three websites I checked, it's meiosis. It is meiosis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also, you know, I have to just make sure. Yes, meiosis. Yeah. Oh, a lot of people confuse that. It's that know. damn e, dude. Just you know, hooked on yeah, phonics work for me. So I still don't know how I say agar. Ag- Every time I say it in my head, I hear it about three different ways. Like, Every time agar, I went agar. Yeah. Ah, ah. <laughs> it's like, how do I say yeah. it? I don't know how I say it. Yeah. Yeah. Every time I watch a Gary Hefferly video now, I think he says auger. Auger? I forget what he says. Anyway, he says no, no, auger, because he says yeah, it the auger. way I used to auger, uh, like a, auger. a screw, like for ice. That's fishing. why I don't want to. We're like an auger for drilling a hole, right? Yeah. That's why I don't. Yeah, yeah. I use agar now just because nothing else is agar. So in my head, agar that makes too. sense. Agar, yeah. Agar. All right, so we're going to make a push this year. Agar is going to be, you know, last year it was oh. cultigen. This year it's agar, guys. Oh, I think we got to go after leucistic and leucistic too. Yes, we'll we'll go after those. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll Nikki correct asked all that about stuff. it one time, and I've I've heard it pronounced. I'm going to say the wrong way many many times by many people, but yeah. Uh, oh, so I'm just spe- saying leukemia. Leukemia. Speak, speaking of that. Speaking of you um, catching my typos all the time, um, these myco people, um, boy, they never got the Latin genus and species wrong ever in any slide. But you want to know how often they misspelled people's names? <laughs> all the yes, time. Uh, yes. I'm like, now I know where your priorities are, guys. And they okay. don't know the other the people they've seen every year for the last 15 years. Some they of them, barely yeah. remember their yeah. name. Like, is that Bob? But they're not. Hypoglossium trichloronides or whatever. Right. Yes. <laughs> like yes. 16-syllable Latin names. They got exactly. that, like, off the tip of their tongue. But they can't remember the dude they've seen every year. Right. 
No, I mean, I mean, so, some of them are legendary. I, I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm looking at some of the books that were in the silent auction, just reading names, and I'm like, wait a minute, I think I sat next to that guy yesterday. Yeah, oh, you're like, what? Yeah, is that you? Some heavy hitters there, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, the mm. the thing that was really shocking to me is you could just walk up to any one of them and ask them a question, and they would. Now, so they wouldn't ever make you feel stupid. There were a few middle-of-the-road people that, like, if if you couldn't hang with their conversation, you know, you weren't cool enough for them or whatever, that's fine. I get it. Everybody's, you know, I'm like, I, I see that in our community as well, right? Like, everybody's, yeah. that's just the insecurity and, and whatnot. So I wasn't too upset about that. Well, they're I didn't trying to com- gauge you, too, you know. They right, don't know who you are, so, yeah. like. They got to figure out who oh, you are and the, why you're asking them this the, question. The classic, no, the classic one I figured out. And if anybody was there, I, I want to hear in the comments if you guys had this experience too. I think a trick that they do to assess you is they find a mushroom and then they go, I, what do you think this is? <laughs> They're just waiting to see whether you remotely can say anything intelligent at all. And, and so I purposely started saying like the dumbest things I could say. And yeah, they just, if I did that, they would just walk away. Yeah. Or you can just say like something like, can I eat this? And then immediately. Right. Oh, well, no, that, ha- that was okay. You could, you could, you could do that. But um, yeah, that's interesting. And sure there, you know, it's just like in our community, there are people that are definitely there to let you know, you know, what they know and all that kind of stuff. But overall, people are really nice. It skews a little bit older. It's not like, I mean, I'm 46. I was pretty young for, for being there. There, there, there were 80 year olds for sure. But every one of those 80 year olds knew a lot. A wealth of information, even yeah. the most casual, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. Uh, one of my cabin mates was a pediatrician and he'd been going for years. And I mean, that guy, exhaustive knowledge of taxonomy. I was quite impressed. Oh, yeah. You get to understand like, well, maybe when you're that old, like Alzheimer's isn't really a thing for mushrooms, just for the people around you. Right. <laughs> like, Right. You retain all the mycology information. You'll just be in the like right. old folks' home, like rattling off, like right. Spe- you know, you know the author of this species from like 1878. Like, oh yeah, oh, but can't remember right. your son's name. Oh well, so uh, Arlene Bassett was the uh, 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 she like my chief mycologist. Although she didn't want to be called chief mycologist, she wanted to be called, I think, host. Anyway. That's fine. I, she basically got out her husband to do all the the chief mycologist work in in the gym, you know, yeah, IDing everything and the whatnot. cards, all that stuff. I, I used to do that. That's how I got into that. Was like Robert Schaefer, an old U of M oh. guy. I I was the card guy with the index nice. cards. Yeah, he he knew I could figure out at least what genus it was, and he had a little like remember like a Rolodex kind of right. thing, and I would just sit there and give my approximate like, oh, that looks like Valimus, or that looks like yeah. a, you know, Piperatus, like in the and then yeah, that's how I really got into it. It was fascinating to see how they shuffled it around or, or they'd get, you know, um, 
if they got a bunch of one frequently getting the same mushroom, if it was a nice specimen, they'd, they'd bin it all in, you know, a little uh, container. Yeah. And then if it was garbage, <laughs> they just throw it out. I watched them throw one of mine out and I was so sad. I was oh, like, I know. But, yeah. you know, when you get that, uh, yeah. that 14th Ganoderma right. applinatum, it's like, right. oh, yeah, another yeah. conch goes on the polypore table. You're like, yeah, yeah. it's gone. <laughs> Yeah, I tell Somebody you what, discreetly throws it away after you like walk away. They're like, yeah, we don't need that. Right. Now, so I will say this. Geeky showed up. I had, I believe, four or five. Um, I, I never got to confirm one of them. And then I couldn't. There was such a pile of them. I couldn't confirm whether mine was in there or not. But uh, at, at least four made it to the final table. And I believe two of them. So uh, they had... They were going to send a collection off somewhere in Washington, D.C. that was going to go into an herbarium to sort of, you know, memorialize the foray, you know, in the herbarium or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So I think a couple of mine made it to that. So I, I felt like I played the game a little bit. That was fun. It was fun to, it, you know, they they have the they have yellow ID cards and those were the ones that were going to the private collection. And then they had the the like a bluish gray card and. I got a couple oh. in the yellow cards. I was I was excited. Did you fill out like a collector kind of thing? Yeah, like where yeah, you yeah. Yeah. I wonder how detailed it gets now. Like, do you have to put like GPS coordinates or, or something you, like so that? So here's what's great about iNaturalist is if you're using your phone, it has it's already got the geo coordinates, assuming that you have some reception. If you don't have reception, it'll still approximate it. So basically wherever you lost reception. But the four A's I did, I had coordinates within 20 feet yeah so, you, so it's all in there so when you pull up the photos it not only already has the geo coordinates in there it has the time date and time you collected it and then you can even use the ai and it will you know so, some mushrooms it can i would say half the time it got me to genus and species and it was right and then half the time, like especially littler mushrooms or ones that, that are harder to get a good photo of yeah. or confusing angles, then it would it'd say something was an Amanita. And it was like, yeah, dude, this is obviously not an Amanita. But but overall, it's a, it's a pretty good software. Um, I got used to it. I enjoyed it. I figured Kyle Cannon, or Cannon taught me how to... Oh, one of the main things I learned at NAMA was that Kyle's last name is not Cannon. It's canon, so uh, I feel like that was a win for me. I learned, I did learn how to pronounce somebody's name. Not a lot of these mushrooms, but at least some people's names. Um, well, you, you know, the way a like seventy-year-old Polish person pronounces like Amanita muscaria might be a little different than right. you know some Southern Ohio person. That's <laughs> true. Or somebody on the West Coast, you know, next year, if it's going to be on the West Coast, yeah, that'll be a whole, you'll get like the kind of more Spanish pronunciations. I notice that right. a lot now, which is maybe closer to the Latin. So I've noticed yeah. the uh, the way people like are pronouncing like species epithets, so species names that it's like, wow, that sounds like a, like a Mexican version of what, what I learned. Yeah. But, Okay, like, Lentinus. Yeah, Lentinus. <laughs> yeah, Lentinus sure. tigrinus. It's like right. uh, Lentinus tigrinus. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, the Russian what are you guy. gonna do? Like yeah, you said, you just matter. gotta you just gotta spell it right. That's all that matters. Yeah, as long as somebody knows what you're saying, it's, it right. doesn't really matter. But people will go on and on about that, and it's like, can we like move on to something? Like you know what I said, right? Right. <laughs> like yes. Yeah. 
Uh, it's funny how people fixate on that. They do. So the first day we got there, um, we went to this uh, place in a local state park uh, that had like a little rock you could slide on. It had just, you know, water. The The river had eroded oh, it. Oh, yeah. So you know, got got to go check that out and found a bunch of found a bunch of mushrooms around there just because it was you know always the mist of the the water and everything yeah, kept it moist oh, yeah. around there. Um, yeah, it was cool. We found about I think nine nine species doing that, and then came in and so the the first thing that happened is uh, I go down with Kyle to the gym to to bring some specimens down there. And there's already like 500 specimen containers. Oh. I mean, okay, it's maybe a- I'm over exaggerating. No, uh, maybe three to four fifty. Let me let's just say that. And I'm like, man, I th- I was early. I, like I was the first guy in my cabin. There was a lot of people not showing up yet. But some of these people are just they got an agenda, or they're locals and they want to hit. And I think what happened was they wanted to hit all the spots. Like early to get the juicy, sexy mushrooms. So yeah, yeah, they're like the tailgaters that are there at like nine on Saturday right. morning. They're ready to go. Yeah, yeah, the game's on like Sunday afternoon, and they're like they're on right. Saturday morning. Yeah, <laughs> like, make a, let's make a whole week out of this. Oh yeah, yeah, that was um, always fun. Get the glory too, you know, all the, the the glory that comes along with that, you know rare species oh yeah the rare species award that was that was something (laughs) yeah uh one one guy on one of my forays he he thought he found a baby rushula peeking its head through some moss and and he ended up finding a truffle from uh i guess a newly renamed uh uh genre genera sorry i'll get there uh called uh emea and they had a truffle expert, some guy that's fifth year PhD student about to get his PhD in truffles of, I believe, North America. And uh, he was pretty excited to find that thing. So that that got a lot of traction. And yeah, there. Yeah. But you want to know the rarest stuff? It usually was the teeny tiny stuff. Somebody that picked mm. up a, a leaf and looked at the, you know, the stem of the leaf and saw like a little rust on it or something like that. And, yeah, so, yeah. For real. like those things just popping out. You would normally just walk past those because your right. basket would be full of all these huge ones. And right. they're the eye-catching stuff. But when you get down under those leaves and yep. you start scraping a little bit, and yeah, the truffle things, the the like hypogea stuff, it's like nobody really digs around in the leaf duff and the dirt and stuff. Because, yeah. I mean, you got to be a little careful doing that too. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit destructive. But yeah, if you at, can't find a, anything else, you know. Right. So yeah, at at that one, uh, so I before the truffle guy gave his talk. By the way, the truffle guy. I should not just keep calling him the truffle guy. His name was Ben. Uh, I want to get this right. Oh, I think I met that guy a lot. Ben Lemond. Um, he's a younger guy. Um, he's a PhD candidate at University of Florida uh, at Dr. Matthew Smith's lab. But anyway, he's like hardcore, hardcore truffle guy. And uh, anyway, so so we're at the before that. I'm at William Padilla Brown's lecture on uh, I'll get uh, migratory mushroom foraging in North America, which was super cool. Um, it, it didn't necessarily have an academic bent. It was more like this is what I'm all about right now. This is like where I'm putting my you know my tentacles out, my mycelium, 
you know, rhizomorphs are, are going in these different directions. And he talked about some some species that he was interested in that he's, you know, thinks have medicinal value, stuff like that. Anyway, it was a very fun uh, educational presentation, but he kept saying like two or three times, oh, you got, I'm going to this truffle uh, presentation, you know, if, if you guys want to come follow me. So anyway, a lot of people followed him to the truffle presentation. And uh, he, he asked Ben, Will, uh, Will asked Ben about um, raking, like, you know, raking for the, the truffles. Yeah. You could tell the truffle guy was like, get a truffle dog. Like you can, you could tell he probably didn't spend a whole lot of time actually wandering around raking endlessly, hoping to find truffles. No, but a lot of the stuff he would be interested in wouldn't be the normal truffles, like the tuber right. species. There's a lot of different truffle yeah. genera now that are just, uh, they're not like the things you would eat. They just random, even the, um, even Lentinus, Lentinus that I studied, mm -hmm. uh, there's like a, uh, that was a Sacoshoid, like the kind of, you know, that okay. New Zealand one, the sub, sub Sacoshoides or whatever. Okay. They, they form like this hat that's like halfway sticking in a out of the ground, but it's like kind of a ball. And then sometimes the, the, the truffles, they're under the ground, uh, but we don't really have in North America, the tuber species that grow like in, at least if they're not if they haven't been purposely planted there right i don't he, think maybe he was talking about the pecan farmers seem to just naturally yeah. get them um mm. which i thought was interesting he's he said he knew of one commercial farmer who actually tried to colonize the pecan saplings you know to sort of make sure they were there but he said that most commercial farms they just end up being there yeah, I think why now, who knows? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's one of those things. Do you want to ground grind up like thousands of dollars worth of truffles to inoculate your pecan trees right. or your your uh, what are those kind of those little, some kind of other uh, they're like little acorns. I forgot what they're called. Little small hazelnuts, hazelnuts. Oh right, they yeah. call them. Yeah, you've got the trees there, and so like it's a bonus if you get the truffles too, and maybe you do, right. maybe you don't. Yeah, he, uh, it was cool. You know, it was cool to see a guy that was about to be done with the PhD and see, uh, kind of where he was at and what he was interested in. And, um, yeah, he was a real nice guy. He, um, you know, he made a particular effort to be available to people afterwards. And, um, I, af like, I think that evening I was eating dinner and I saw just people endlessly coming up to him and he was nice and pleasant with them. So, you know, overall, uh, most of these guys were real cool, real nice, had a, had yeah. a good time, met a lot of cool people. Um, sure. I met somebody at your old neck of the woods, uh, Dr. Brandon Matheny. He's a oh. professor at the University of Tennessee in the Ecology and Evolutionary Biology Department. And he, um, him and Alan got along real, real well just because they're real like phylogenic tree, right? They're suckers for talking about you know, rearranging this and that, and yeah. why isn't GenBank doing this, and... Montcalvo yeah. chain methods, and... All that stuff, yeah. Boolean operators, and <laughs> Bayesian yeah. inference, and all those kind of things. Yes. Like, oh, yes. You guys are still talking about mushrooms, or what are you talking about? Oh. Right, right. Um, now, he did a really cool presentation called... Uh, Oh, no, I'm sorry. It, so in the program, it was called Mushrooms of the Southern Appalachians. 
but he actually renamed it to Seldom Illustrated Mushrooms of the Appalachians. So it was these really rare, you know, ones he only ever found once or ones that are really not not mm. talked about. That was very fascinating. That was fun. Like we were talking about the other day, now there's these invasive species. It's kind of funny now, like if you get a a European truffle species growing in your pecan farm, that's kind of like an invasive species. Like the golden oysters. I hear, I see people posted on Facebook, oh, look at my golden oysters. And it's like, wow, yeah, that's an invasive species from Asia. Like that's, that was never, I never found that ever like 30 years ago. And now it's like the most common oyster in Michigan. It's like, oh. Right. I mean, but who knows, right? Didn't, um, I, I think Alan posted something about some mush, some Chinese mushroom that when he was in New Zealand, he found at a like a Lowe's or a Home Depot or some oh, version yeah. of that. And like um, the Con- th- or something. I think like that's that. happening a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot. I mean, I mean, in the Great Lakes, right? It happened with the the um, the mussels, right? Just took over. Yeah, and, the zebra mussels. I mean, the catfish, in, the Asian carp. It's all yeah. over the world now. We just we'll, like we'll we look take at all time. our like blights and our our tree oh, yeah. pathologies that are taking out trees are all from these worms or moths or you know some yeah. bug that came over on a ship from somewhere or the else. fungus that like the puccinia wheat rust. There's one right. I, I know in Africa now that they're like terrified that it's going to jump over and some little point mm-hmm. mutation is going to jump over and then it's going to be invasive or or. Uh, you know, I guess sort of like an introduced pathogen in America. Right. Like if I came back to America from Thailand, they would like probably take my shoes away. Right. If you go, I get it now have, though. Right. Yeah. Do you remember? I remember uh-huh. when I would come back from Canada, all they really cared about was like, do you have any produce on you? Yeah. And I could never yeah. figure out why, but I get it now. Produce yeah. at the bottom of your shoes. I had one immigration. I was coming back from the Dominican Republic and a, and a customs official cleaned my boots for me because I just didn't know I was, I mean, but he'd had a toothbrush and was like cleaning the cleats out of the bottom of my like hiking boots. And I, yeah, I felt weird, but it's like, I didn't know, man. Like I was, you know, I, that was the first time I had been in that area of the world and I just didn't know, but they were terrified. They were just yeah. like, no, like they were like, do you have any other things that are dirty? I was just like, it, yeah, I got like a whole suitcase. Do you want to wash that too? Dude, that's great. You just, you show up at customs. They wash all your clothes. I know. They clean wow. your boots. <laughs> oh, perfect. It's like, man, like a diplomat or something. But those here. people are doing God's work because dear God, I mean, yeah. I, in the Great Lakes, what the zebra mussels did I know. is outrageous. But this is, this is like back in. I think I wrote a paper in 94, 1994, and it was about globalism being like a big public bromide and the idea being that it's the sexy idea, right? Globalism is so economically sexy, but man, there's a whole nother level of, if you start putting in the ecology into it and, and the interconnectedness of major global systems and infrastructures and logistics that man one you know right the ukraine was fucking shit up canada was screwing stuff up right like the more global we get the more everybody else's screw-ups can affect so many more people 
and that's not even counting the insects and the bugs and the fungus and the I mean the viruses that they viruses. carry. Yeah, uh, I, I mean it's it's the same story over and over again. Yeah. Humans, but sometimes with uh, I kind of I guess like you know very beneficial kind of intentions introduce animals, cane toads and foxes and right. rabbits and snakes and like oh it just goes on and on and on and it's been going on for hundreds and thousands of years probably. Yeah. I sometimes feel like an invasive species here in Asia. I'm like, am I supposed to be here? <laughs> it's like, I don't think I'm supposed to be I'm here. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that if you were able to track human population back 100,000 years, I'm pretty sure we are now officially an invasive species. Yeah, yes. I'm, I'm sure. pretty sure. We are all the things that all the other invasive species are doing to habitats. We are absolutely doing yeah. the same thing. Just Probably some chimpanzees in Africa somewhere be like, these damn homo sapiens right. keep coming back. It's we always the homo sapiens. Yeah, yeah, we try to push them up there to that cold climate, but they keep coming back. God damn. Yep, exactly. <laughs> what are you going to uh, do? All we can do is ride it out, man. I mean, at this point, talking about fixing global warming almost cracks me up. Like, I don't know, because you can't... Oh, we could do everything perfect, but you can't control... China, India, Malaysia, Indonesia, you, all these countries that are probably not going to get on board with any big, you know, new green deal or anything like that. So we can we can get all our ducks in a row in the United States, which we still probably won't because then we just go to other countries and let them do do our dirty work for us. Yeah. But like it's happening. I don't think it's stopping. I, I do slowly see green energy kind of playing out people do seem to want some of that but you can't run you can't get solar powered like mega bulldozers <laughs> you're always it's gonna simple. have yeah uh, my friend bought a vape pen last night and the amount of packaging he's like oh you my know God, dude. If, dude he had like a pile of like six different layers of packaging to end up with him taking us hit off a vape pen and i was like wow the no these are bought by eight here's the worrying thing to me is like our generation we were told about global warming and peak oil and all this kind of stuff we didn't do anything about it and then now you've got 18 year old kids they're buying these vape pens and they they're sitting at the picnic table and they just rip them open and they get up and there's like a whole table full of garbage plastic and mylar and silicon little things and it's like wow well you've seen the eighth continent right in in the pacific ocean oh yeah have you seen our new eighth continent out there raft garbage oh maybe it's down to seven because we have we lost the polar ice cap yet i don't know anyway (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean oh but these are the people who should be concerned about this these are the people who it's going to affect and their kids and they blame it on the older people but it's like dude you're supposed to be concerned about this like go buy a pack of cigarettes they're less they're less environmentally harmful than that damn vape pen like and the e-waste Oh my gosh! And they're oh, selling yeah, nitrate. I went down to the the famous Kaosan Road like a couple weeks ago. Wrong, wrong decision. But n- nitrous whippets like all over. Like I was walking on the nitrous, ca- you know those little whip uh, nitrous canisters. Yeah. yeah, they were just like covering the street. I was walking. Wow. It was like walking on the, the you know those rocky beaches like up on like Lake Superior. It's like wow. clunk, 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 and I was like tripping over balloons. It's like 
wow, these are the people. I mean, those are the 20 to 30 year olds that are like, it's like, these are the people who are going to save the earth. Like, right. Not happening. Not going to happen. There was like that 10 year See, period. back in the day when I did nitrous, it was from a giant tank somebody stole from exactly. a local dentist. Exactly. That's how it used to be done. Oh, and we my... use recycled bottles to <laughs> we right. use bottles to uh to filter out whatever that gas was they put in it made you vomit. I never, oh, I never yeah. I, don't, I, I never did it. Man, I, I haven't know. I haven't done any of that since I just saw I went to do it. Oh right. No man, I did it. It was fun. I did it at Woodstock yeah. a bunch because it they were just selling the balloons real cheap. Oh, um you can see them doing it here. They've got the but that does kill your brain cells, man. Yeah, man. You do like oh, three dude. or four balloons. You're like, man. I uh, I would do yeah. it. I would like suck it in, blow it out, suck it in, blow it out. I just do that until I just fell over. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we said we could just call uh, them mattress parties. We just oh put a bunch God. of old mattresses in a room with the tank and. Yeah, that's yeah. when you're young, though. You just want to experience things. You just, oh, what does this feel like? What is that? Like you just, you just go for it, especially when you're at. Woodstock and it's hot and they're charging eight dollars for a bottle of water. Yeah, how do you hear the 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 Kaosan Road where all the backpackers go? That place, it's like blaringly loud music, nitrous weed. People are just smoking like big fat joints, mm-hmm. drinking their Leo beer. You know, their forties of Leo. Right. Just walk. It's it's yeah. like surreal. Mm-hmm. It's just like and you can. But I can see, man. They must make like like half a million dollars a night you know like these bars people are just handing money over and over like hand over fist for like nitrous and weed yeah (laughs) like wow y'all are getting rich (laughs) oh my so uh so at uh at nama i had a few people walk up to like i really didn't expect I did, I did, I had a lot of expectations that were not right that I quickly readjusted. I, in the back of my head, I thought I was going to be able to show up, set up my little, you know, local podcast and just pull people in. And, and, and it didn't take me long to realize like they weren't here to be on my podcast. They were there to see their friends that they only see once a year, to look for mushrooms, to, to nerd out on fungi. And so I sort of chilled out. I just, I, I was like, I'm not, maybe that'll happen, but I'm not going to make a, I'm not going to make it my agenda. But I did have a fair number of people walk up to me and they would just kind of nudge me and be like, Michael geeky. Or they'd be like, Hey, Michael geeky. Like they'd be real quiet about it. Right. Anyway. So, so one, one guy, um, let me pull this up here. Real nice guy. Uh, hopefully I can get back down. He's got some private property down, down, uh, in Appalachian territory down there. Uh, hopefully we can go look for some mushrooms one day to together. That would be fun. Uh, his name's Rodney, but he just said, I want to pull this up. Um, actually the biggest earth moving machines and coal mining drag lines are electric powered. I did not know that. Oh yeah. I did not know that. They use diesel engines to oh. run electric because it's about. I think it's about. I mean, he probably knows, but I think it's about the the smoothness. Like an electrical mm. motor, you can you know, like those oh, lines right. and stuff. They pull and you know go much more smoothly right. than like a diesel. I don't know. Like, uh, I've just seen some big things, and I saw I saw smoke coming out the back of them. I just assumed. 
that the the a lot of the big stuff was still running on fossil oh, fuel. Well, trains they they are technically so like diesel trains. There's a diesel engine that like runs an electrical motor. Oh, okay. So they technically are still running on electrical fuel. Right. And remember, electricity come. People with the e-bikes here, they think they're all like you know special. It's like remember, electricity comes from coal. Yeah. Like electricity doesn't come out of the ether. Right. Oh like yeah, people to- do that here too. I one one of my uh buddies that I work with, she um she was going on and on about her ninety thousand dollar Tesla and how eco efficient it is and all that uh, stuff. And I'm like I'm like, first off, those are still not cost effective. Whatever money you're saving in gas, you more than made up for in the ticket price of that car. But but yeah, I mean Where's the electricity coming from? In a lot of states, it's understand. just coming from a coal-powered plant. Yes. Yeah. I don't understand this. I know. Like, how did they trick people into thinking that your your e-car is somehow saving the world? Not to mention all know. the waste that it's going to produce. A traditional gas car, you just melt everything except for the plastic. But right. all these, like, batteries and things like that that you got in the back of your car, they're going – they're not probably being recycled. Right. It's just, it's a big, like, uh, I don't know, they pulled the wool over everybody's eyes, and it makes them feel morally better, but in reality... That's all it's about, Ed. It's all about, um, if I get a certificate that says I'm carbon neutral, or I reduced my carbon footprint, and I can sleep at night, that's That's all that matters. And look at my virtue virtue signaling, is that what they call it? Yep, yeah. Yeah. Man, when I first heard that term, I was like, eh, this term's stupid. Uh, But now I'm like, oh, wow, I like this term. We're doing it a lot more than we used to. I feel like it's it's become a it's become a thing. Oh Um, yeah. uh, Hold on, there was one other thing somebody said I wanted to talk about. Where was it? Candy coat. It's it just it's all about making people feel better about themselves. So even the the people they they buy or they buy those vape pens and they're like, look how healthy I am, and then they inhale like these. Oh, people do that all the time. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh, in Los Angeles. The people will go to like an all vegan restaurant and buy the most obnoxiously, disgustingly healthy food. And then they'll immediately walk out and light a cigarette. And I'm just like, all right, I guess cognitive dissonance is not a thing for you. You just, you can do two completely opposite things. Okay. Well, people here with the vape pens, the vape inside. So in a similar thing, I'm sitting in a nice right. restaurant yeah. and I'm I I can't smoke. Nobody can smoke, but there's a guy right next to me with a vape pen that's like blackberry molasses flavored, and I'm trying to eat. And this dude's I've got some obnoxious vape yep. smoke going into my face. Yeah. But people think that's fine. Like I don't. Oh know my why. god! I had that recently at a restaurant. They were cleaning. Shout out to shout out to Kyron Labs. Um, heart this video if you like mycology or tacos. Yeah, guys, if mycology is not going to do it, let's let tacos get me the like tonight. That's what it's all about. Oh. Um, yeah, so I was at this restaurant. Uh, it was a Chipotle. Uh, yeah, I'd actually gotten into Hendersonville. I'm sitting there. It's like real late. I'm, I hadn't eaten for a long time, so I'm eating me some some Chipotle. And uh, they started cleaning the kitchen because it was late. They were getting close to shutting down. And the chemical they were using to clean was so noxious i had to stop eating it just ruined the food for me but no one gives a shit 
Yeah, no one cares. Again, it's not like at, uh, at work, we just got a new chemical that now they use to clean and sanitize everything. And uh, it smelled awful, like worse than ammonia. And so I, I look up the chemical. I just type in the name in Google. And the first like 19 responses are all about how there are multiple lawsuits going on all over the country about lung irritation conditions as a result of this. And I'm like, well, of course, man, like this guy pulls this out for the first time and they got to mix it in this big bucket. So it's just open to air and everyone in the whole place is like, this is awful, but they like it because it just straight up kills COVID and everything else on contact. So they, they don't care about us. It's killing COVID. They're happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, those super concentrated cleaning supplies. Yeah, I had a bad experience with those one time. You had to make sure you read those instructions for diluting. But I hear people making hypochlorous acid generators and things like this now. I don't think that's safe in a home. Oh, yeah. And people are talking about – somebody's asking me about ozone and things. Like, I don't know if you should really be pumping or breathing ozone. Oh, you should definitely not. I mean, I have an ozone generator. I have not formally needed to use it yet. Um, but you know, early on geeky's got to buy all the things. So I bought a little $60 ozone generator and deep dove on how to use it. I did read that many commercial mushroom farms, when they're cycling through the cleaning process, they like, you know, evacuate everything from, from a room. They run ozone, they run UV, they, they, you know, before and after do bleach and they just do all the things in hopes of reducing the, the contamination as much as possible but basically you just can't breathe it it quickly converts back to oxygen but you can definitely not be in there when it is present for sure yeah (laughs) it's real bad for you home oh yeah it's got to be really careful about this the the uv lights the one if you have a a normal light and a uv light and you leave the uv light on and turn the normal light you can't tell the uv lights on yeah your skin and, and your, your right. pulses might tell. Yeah. Oh, uh, so we went on a night hike. Um, Alan Rockefeller led a night hike uh, along with a real cool guy that was there named Pat Mitchell. Um, let me see what the little thing says about Pat. Um, self-taught amateur mycologist originally from Chicago, now lives in Central Virginia. Anyway, this guy was real funny. I liked him. Um and a real nice guy. Anyway, so they're leading everybody around the lake where we were at. And uh, I I was babysitting um, Kyle and uh, William Padilla Brown's kid. And they they kept shining these, right? I got this little, oh. I guess it doesn't even show up on the camera. Yeah, oh, there I'm you can almost, bit. can we yeah, see it? Yeah, a little bit. See, now I'm getting freaked there out. We, You're pointing it at me. There we go. Oh, you don't got to worry. You're, there it is, guys. There it is. That's, <laughs> yeah, I, don't, uh, I don't think UV. I forget. He, Alan knew every wavelength. Anyway, this is the better. This is the bluer wavelength rather than the more purple wavelength. Um, but he said the like 265, I think, it, or 465. Um, he said that one can just straight up like instantly give you skin cancer. So like these, so <laughs> everybody was like. It would just take one time for the adults to realize, oh, this is like frying my retinas. Like I, I can't, I can't even look at a thing that's really reflecting it back at me, let alone looking directly at it. So, yeah, the UVC, 
Yes, no yeah, joke. That. Some people buy those flow hoods that have it in there, and you know that's got to be on a timer. You got to leave the room before that shit kicks on. I yeah. don't. I don't think that's really necessary if you're using sterile procedures. Right. Um, right. Unless you're using pathogenic bacteria, I don't really right. see the point in that. I haven't used one of those lights for like decades, and I don't. I don't think they're. If something's going wrong and you feel that you need to get a UVC light, you need to think more about your sterile technique. Right. Rather than rather than fixing a problem that's already there, you need to fix the problem that <laughs> the reason for the problem. like what? Yeah. Well, that I mean, that's kind of like what um, we were talking about uh, with Spirit Pharmacist, the idea that a lot of Western medicine is really just trying to treat symptomology. It doesn't. Yeah. Right. Like there's no money in exactly. curing you. <laughs> the money isn't just pacifying you and your annoying symptoms. Um, hold on. Yeah, and this idea that you fix it after there's a problem, like you, like a lot of times I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, kind of when new beginners they get that beginner's luck, and then they right. really, really almost immediately start to be like, well, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that, I don't, and then maybe three months later, everything just goes to complete garbage, and they right. just don't know what because they've let it slip so. Like they might have got really, really lucky at the beginning. Right. And they're like, wow, this is easy. You know, this is easier than growing weed. Right. I love that. Now, oh, mushrooms are easier <laughs> to grow than weed. Like, yeah. But let's see, you got a, a thing of LC that you didn't make. You got a bag right. of grain that you didn't make. I didn't make. do anything. You but bought this substrate is the... that you right. didn't make. Like, right. it's like, like it's like brownies from a box, you know? Right. Like, yeah, a seven-year-old kid can be like, yeah, brownies are easy to make. I just mixed in water and milk and an egg. Right, right. It's, it's a little different if you start with the ingredients. It's like, true. It's a bit different. It's but, true. I mean, I do think even though I've said many times, hey, if you just want the medicine, you know, buy some grain spawn, buy a sterile uh, bag of substrate. And that's true. But if you actually want to get into the hobby of cultivation, then obviously you should learn all the things. Even if eventually you go, well, this part of all the things I don't like to do, you should still have that experience. I mean, they make you do that in many other career tracks, many other industries, right? You got to learn about everything a little bit before you get to learn, you know, more specialized information in one area. I love that people can jump in now. I mean, I know even my opinion over the last year about this has changed. I love it that people sell grain yeah. bags. Yeah. So if you don't need a pressure cooker or don't have a place to store a pressure cooker, right. like, man, you know, 30 years ago, living in a dorm room with, like, two other guys, if I could have bought, like, a five-pound grain bag and, like, right. an LC syringe, that would have been the first thing I did. Exactly. Uh, and I would have been up at four in the morning trying to pretend I'm cooking chili when I'm like sterilizing <laughs> rye grain. It's like, yeah, they're like, God, you're making a lot of chili. It's like you do that every night, every week. Right. Uh, it doesn't yeah, smell yeah, like yeah. chili either, does no, it? <laughs> no, it smell funny like that. It's like, oh, yeah, that's the new beans I use. And yeah, I'm, I'm rehydrating the beans. Yeah. yeah. yeah, just, yeah. Just, don't worry about that. <laughs> Yeah. And then, like a month later, gee, why does Ed have all these like mushrooms he's giving to people for free? Like, for free, <laughs> Ed just yeah. seems to be. I found him. I found him out in the woods, Waterloo Recreation Area. Yeah. Oh, I remember. I remember. <laughs> Man, Ed, if only we were at U of M at the same time. Oh, I know. If only. Or, or even if I wouldn't. Yeah. Oh gosh. 
It would have been good. Well, we'd probably both be in prison. <laughs> possibly. Yes, possibly. We'd be, we'd be roommates, but it'd be in a prison cell, not in a dormitory yeah. or a co-op. Exactly. Yeah, back then they didn't take too kindly to that. Weed was okay, but like uh, not the mushrooms. At least I right. don't know. I didn't want to spend a considerable part of my life in prison, so. Nope. Oh, what could have been? I'm with you. I'm with you there. Um, all right, so let me let's see what we haven't talked about here. So it was in North. It was in North Carolina. In, it, it it was south of Asheville, which is now like a real hot spot. It's a mountain biking hot spot. It's a, like a retirement or just move there for somewhere to live hot spot. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a boom town, so to speak, these days. So, did anybody like did, did anybody broach uh, approach the topic of like psychedelics or was oh so like, um like you know taboo, okay so so Nama went on a foray. Let me see if I can pull it up here. I'll try to find the information here real quick as I'm talking. But anyway, they had um, gone to Mexico recently on a little foray let me see regional foray here we go so they went they called it nama mx23 inaugural regional foray in um let me see where they went i don't remember uh, i don't just remember heard about this last week uh but yeah they so anyway they went down and then they got to meet uh guzman's daughter you know i think she was in one of these you know fungi documentaries recently um god where is it here was it in oaxaca maybe maybe that sounds about right um i can't tell but o-a-x-a-c yeah yeah i hear a lot of people speaking of mispronunciation yeah i don't know is that that's Aztec or Incan, but man, I cannot. I don't know what they're doing with their letters, but it don't make sense don't to me. I can either. tell you that. I just, I just listen to a Mexican say it, and I say it that way. It's like yep. Thai here. People go on about like, what tone is that? But I'm like, listen to a Thai person say it, and just say what they say. Yeah. Like I don't know what that. Tone oh, here it is. Sh- um, they got to meet up with Laura Guzman. She is the daughter of the well-known mycologist Gaston okay. Guzman. Anyway, so so they took a group down there, and you know she took them around. They found a bunch of cool mushrooms, including Zapticorum, and uh, yeah. So they were talking all about that, you know. And um, the woman who, along with one of the other guys, was kind of the the ringleaders of, of the foray. Um, they were all real excited about finding psilocybes. That's for sure. Um, you know, they weren't talking about grinding it up and making microdoses, but oh, yeah, they, they, they at least could talk about psilocybes. So yeah. That, that was cool. Um, there was obviously maybe half the crowd was not, you know, they maybe had heard about, you know, what's going on recently, but you get, you just got, you got some really old people and they're well off. They're, they're doctors, they're professors, they're, you know, pretty well-adjusted people. And then there's a, a younger crowd. And I frequently heard the younger crowd, like my age or younger, you know, the, it was coming up. Microdosing was coming up. Tripping was coming up. You know, it, it, it was being talked about for sure. So 
even uh, even Arlene in her last speech, she said, you know, when I first got into this, um, and she used to be a doctor as well, um, she's like, when I first got into this, um, and apparently she was into foraging before, like she grew up poor, so her family foraged for food or to like sell mushrooms to, at local markets and stuff. So she had had a background, uh, at least a connection. You know, she had a good Michael origin story, let's just say that. But then um, she said that the early days, right, these namophores, it was just hardcore taxonomy. It was find a mushroom and then play the taxonomy game. And she said it's really been cool to see the evolution. Um, uh, they're doing a foray next year that's going to have a culinary bent. So there's gonna they're going to be bringing in a lot of chefs. So the whole angle is going to be how do we responsibly forage? How do we work within our states to you know set up um, like a certification programs so people know how to forage and forage the right thing and not the wrong thing? Um, all that kind of stuff. So I I thought that was really she just kind of painted the picture like you know there's more to it now than than it used to be. There's so many ways you know it went from a modernist kind of activity to of course postmodern. Now there's like multiple ways you can come into this uh, this thing called fungi. And so she she was just like she said I I thought it's amazing to see how it's evolved and see all the different people. Um, and I believed that she meant it when she said it's cool that there are so many different ways now that people come into an interest in in mushrooms or fungi. So I thought that was cool. She is she seemed like a real nice lady. Um, she had she did a presentation for her her last lecture. Must have been eight hundred of the most spectacular photos of just perfect mushrooms. And I'm like, this woman must just be out hiking like every day of her life, which she basically said that's her and Alan are just out looking for mushrooms all the time. And they choose to live in the Carolinas, right? They, they're living down there. Uh, the, uh, we had quite a few speakers talk about the biodiversity down there. Uh, this guy, Gary Kaufman, he's a botanist ecologist for Forest Plan. So he's like one of the head ecologists for... Uh, North Carolina, and he was just talking about biodiversity down there and all that stuff. And then Stephen Russell talked about, um, you know, mapping biodiversity and why we should be doing it. And then Gary Kaufman, I'm sorry, Gary Kaufman, uh, uh, that Dr. Brandon Matheny, he was also talking about the importance of doing that stuff. So I, I'm not going to lie, before that, I thought the whole like mapping biodiversity was a cool thing to do and might make for a neat, like, infographic, you know, like, well, here's where this is, here's where that is. Um, but after hearing some of these presentations, I realized why they want this information, how they're going to use this information to try to figure stuff out. And um, especially as <laughs> the climate is, is doing all sorts of crazy things, um, you know, tracking changes in flora and fauna might, might serve a, a purpose at some point in time. So I thought that yes, was pretty definitely cool for conservation issues. I mean, yeah. if you're going to promote the conservation of some right. or the preservation of some area, you've got to have species lists. Right. They, and I forget you, who said it, but they were like, uh, you can't protect something if you don't know where it is. Like yeah. you got to actually figure out where it is. 
when you get some i mean i hate to be it would be like sort of a uh like a legal thing if you can get as many red list species you know endangered species right. on a list you right. know some of them might be like you know macro like giant mammals or whatever like certain right. kinds of deer or chipmunks or something like that but if you can get a few of those ascomycetes on there and you're like oh right but yeah i don't know how well that works i know they try to do that but some people yeah convincing people you should like you know conserve these five species of like uh rare asco my seats instead of build a walmart I right don't know. <laughs> not gonna happen yeah, yeah speaking of that uh one of my uh, that guy i just mentioned uh rodney he said he used to do so much forest conservation work you know like advocating for it and he's like there was just a point where he just said yeah i'm, I'm losing this battle like I'm wasting my time. It's not going to, yeah. there's doesn't matter how many of us, you know, we can sit in front of the bulldozer like they, you know, people have famously done, but eventually they get moved and they clear whatever land they bought anyway. Yeah. They'll just come back next month. I, I, right. I mean, to be honest, I don't know if we can blame those people because right. those people are fulfilling our needs. Our right, next right. super center, yeah. our next mall, our next right. iPhone 15. Like right. if we stop, like it's the kind of like how many, thing. how many super crunchy people still have Amazon Prime? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like exactly. Yeah. They can't wait an extra day. Right. But you know, the logistical nightmare and the packaging and that, you know, oh you get something God. this, yeah, this big in a box like this because it fits into the logistical scheme of like how they can fit it on the back of a truck or you could wait 24 more hours, but God, no, 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 right. no. I need it tomorrow morning. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, wow, this is like I was saying with the vape pens and everything. It's like, oh, like I, I've gotten frustrated because, you know, I'm almost 50 and I was, uh, I was hearing about this kind of stuff when I was taking chemistry in high school, the same exact right. environmental issues. You know, we used to sell firewood when I was a teenager, me and my dad. Oh, yeah. we, so we'd do tree removal and sell the firewood. And I Wait, we have people... this in common, too? I didn't know that. We did the same yeah. thing. My dad and uh, my uncle and me would go clear lots, and yeah, we did the same oh, thing. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, exactly, lots. And just, yeah. like, we always had a lot, a lot of black locust in, in Jackson. It was just, like, it was, like, grows like a weed, basically. It's in the bean family. Makes yeah. great firewood, but... Oh, yeah. uh, but yeah, I used to get like sometimes people would stop and literally attack my dad because you're cutting down trees. It's like you dumb fuck. This is this was like I, I just like again like literally getting attacked. Or now I've been attacked too. If you're out in the woods with a basket and people will say like leave some of the mushrooms for the other people, right. and like it's like you dumb fuck get the right. fuck out of my face. Like I like yeah. they just don't understand. And I don't oh, know. Oh um. I think it was Chicago. I was talking to, I I can't be certain if she was the actual head of uh, some mushroom group in, in Chicago, but she was basically saying that they, we were about to go on the night hike and she gets some email and she gets real grumpy. And I'm like, "What? What's? are you okay? And she's like, oh, I just got this email. And basically they're going to now limit the amount of like mushrooms that you can take on a foray. And I was like, why? Like, <laughs> I I go, are, what are you taking, like, pallets and, and just bulldozer loads of, like, how much mushrooms are you taking that they have to quantify it? She's like, 
honestly, we're usually not taking more than what the limit is about to be, but she's like, just the fact that there's a limit just feels repressive. Yeah, that's it's misguided stuff. It's misguided, yeah. Uh, um, all right, out of the bubble. Wish I went to Nama and met you. Me too, man, next year. So speaking of that, um, the Nama foray, they announced where it's going to be next year. Um, let me pull up my little screenshot here so I get it right. Yeah, I thought I wrote it down. So Halloween oh. Nama. Right. Last year they did they went to Missouri in the Ozarks. They called it Monama. So they're they're into this, you know, the puns with the Nama. So Halloween Nama is is next year's. It's gonna be at the Cispus Learning Center in Randall, Washington. Basically, it's couched in between um Mount Rainier and Mount Everest. And it's gonna be October thirty first through November third. So it's going to be juicy, right? Like that's, we're not going in the summer. This is the Pacific Northwest in the tail end of fall. So it should be a prime mushroom hunting time. So I'm, I'm, I'm going, we're going to make it happen. Uh, yeah. Michael mamas. That's uh, Michael mamas. I'm telling you right now, when they announced it uh, the other night, you guys were the first people i thought of i thought of you and i thought of missy and and then i thought of Susie, and i thought of lauren and i said dear god they're gonna have to like we're all going it's gonna it's gonna be a thing so yeah uh, i am definitely gonna be pushing for all my washington homies to show up to this we're gonna go because i'm telling you right now there's some old people at nama and they will not be here forever and um I'm not saying that as a joke. I'm saying that as I was sitting and looking at some of these old guys that, you know, knew their shit. And I'm just thinking, yeah, man, when we lose these guys, it's a big loss. Like that, they actually had some doctor of mycology who had passed away in the previous year who was quite active in NAMA. And boy, when they, they did a tribute for this guy, you could tell that it felt like a major, major loss for them. Like just to lose that guy who is so connected to uh, the the Nama community. So I think it's important that us cube lovers, you know, we're still mushroom lovers, and and we, uh, I think there are many of us who want to know more about all mushrooms and not just one species of mushroom. So yeah, I'm I'm really hoping we can uh, get a, a a big faction out there. And represent and, you know, be a sign of the times and, you know, chit chat with more people about psilocybin and why it's amazing. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm just reading some notes here. Now, the way to add validity to all of the stuff that's going to happen with Cubensis and what other, you know, their psychoactives is to like people have to show a little bit of interest in other mushrooms, too. 100%. And, yes. And I think it actually, some people don't like in the cube community community people don't really realize there's like that's only like one percent of a small portion of mycology there's so much other stuff and then when they actually discover that somebody just the other week i I like kind of explained like the the taxonomy of cubensis and they were like what i didn't and then he started looking and they were like right like all these other mushrooms are out there like they only knew about cubensis i was like 
Yeah. Yeah, there's a, like lots of mushrooms. But some people that grow up in the city and have never walked in the woods, they don't know. Right. Like you've never seen a polypore. Or, or they've gone you... to like they've been on the 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 paved trail of a well-groomed park. Right? And they haven't man, I went on a bog hike. Right. And I actually was walking in on this boggy, you know, sphagnum moss and the grounds given, you know, like a big old sponge and everything. And uh, I'm just and then in general. Right. What do these what does fungus do? It's it's decomposing organic matter. So you got to have shit's got to be dead and it's got to be decaying and falling apart. So you need a lot of trees knocked down and um you know, it's not as, I think it's beautiful, but it's not quote like a picturesque environment for a lot of people. So they don't know. Oh yes. Rodney mushrooms are definitely a gateway drug to mushrooms. I agree that with that a hundred percent. Yes. Um, they're a gateway to many other things, ecology, genetics, statistics, uh, tax. Oh gosh. yeah. Yeah. That's shout, what people... out, shout out to Juco here. He said, I'm planning on going. You better, dude. Uh, gonna have, yeah, we're all gonna have to save our bread. Um, except for the Michael Mamas, because they're probably, it's probably five minutes down the road for them. So they're just gonna hop in their van um, and head over there. So, yeah, guys, let's go. I, we gotta get, um, uh, Kyle just popped up and I think it was a typo, but he's basically saying, uh, where is it here? Yeah, Scott Osuni is a fucking boss. Um, he is. So during uh, Mandy Quirk's uh, DNA class, which I went to all of the first one and most of the second one, um, it was amazing. She was great. She made it really fun. Um, she gave people a really great overview of what it is, what it isn't, what's involved. Um, and then Kyle helped out towards the end to let people get a taste of the process and um, we did some Sanger sequencing on eight samples, and then he did a bunch of uh, uh, DNA extraction for for a nanopore upcoming nanopore run. So it, it was good. A lot of people, you know, were interested and se- seemed to uh, like like that class. Um, but Mandy made a point. She said, she said, so you know, before nanopore, right? The the bottleneck was never samples. The bottleneck was running the sequences on them. So now that they got nanopore, I mean, they're doing a thousand samples a run and all their primers are tags. So like they're literally best case scenario, if it all goes well in one run, they have a thousand sequences. Even if, even if it fails abysmally and they only get half of them, they still have 500 sequences that worked out. And they can go back and, you know, try to revive some DNA or do it all over again or whatever. But anyway, she was saying how now the the bottleneck is going to be the back end cleaning up the data on the back end. And this is when she said this, it was something Ed had echoed to me numerous times, which is cool. You ran a sequence, but is it good? Is it worthwhile? Have you looked at the chromatograms? Like, is this a sequence that a real researcher could actually do something with? And so Scott <clears> has <throat> been really involved in doing that, but we obviously we need more than just Scott doing it. So Scott and Kyle are going to be on the show uh, coming up here. We're going to talk a little bit more about that stuff. But can, see, this can is I what say something that, oh yeah the real the real bottleneck is is not the sequences or analog. It's the people putting the right names on the right sequence. 
Right. So that's what um that's I think where that's the what big Mandy gap is. Yeah. But that's what Mandy people... meant on the back end. She's saying like the, you got to have the sequence before you can then connect it to an actual taxa. Um Yeah, but you've got the traditional morphological description of where this name came from. Right. That like you have to make sure this mushroom that you find at the Nama foray it has the right name. Right. Yeah. So if yes. you put the wrong name on it, like it's like if I give you a dog and I say that's Fluffy, but that's not Fluffy, that's Joey. Right. But yeah. you don't know that it's Joey and not Fluffy. Like you're you're giving the wrong, you're attributing the wrong DNA sequence to the wrong mushroom name. Right. And that wrong mushroom name is connected to a traditional morphological description. That's the right. gap. Yeah. There's a huge, huge, huge gap. So those people, like you're saying, that pull out the KOH and the Melzers and all those reagents, right. the people that are doing those DNA sequences and giving it a name, I just, somebody's just starting to ask me yesterday about this natalensis thing again. The name doesn't mean anything unless you connect it to an right. actual specimen and right. a morphological description. Right. The sequence is irrelevant if it's got the wrong name on it, right? Of like, course, I don't know. yeah. This is something mm -hmm. people like don't seem to quite understand is that when you put that name on that sequence, you have to make damn sure that's the right name or right. it means absolutely nothing. Right. Because um, I take now, it so all the things that you have brought up to me were echoed here and there or consistently throughout the weekend, by the way. So 100%, I'm like, yep, Ed already told me that. Yep, I've heard Ed say that. Um, one difference though, is like that Matheny guy, you know, he's just casually made some comment one time, like, well, then I just go get the holotype and, and I just sequence that and, and, and I'm just like, cool. Yeah. But there's a lot of holotypes that are not being sequenced, which yes. other presenters were talking about, including Steve, who was just like, they're just sitting in fucking boxes and they're nearly impossible for some herbariums do not want to turn these things over to almost anybody even like someone trying to finish a thesis let alone just point blank saying here take that whole stack run them this year the next year take that stack and run them next year no god no that would be yeah. like telling a, a coin collector to you have the one of the five you know uh right. greek coins or whatever in existence and like we're just going to destroy this one just to figure out what like the metals in it like right. it's like oh I get that's it. not gonna yeah. happen right. plus the people that get this prestigious you know title of whatever the title for running the herbarium is right but they don't want to fuck anything up they don't want us they don't i mean i can't imagine what in the mycology community would happen if some guy running herbarium gave away five holotypes and then for some reason they were destroyed or damaged i mean they he would, would be, be fired immediately immediately yeah. Yes, and he would now, never get a job again after that. Right. And now, what if they got lost in the mail? Right. Like All those I, simple lost in the mail, your car yes. explodes. There's a right. This is why they're just so neurotic about it's all these. Not, things. It's not gonna. I don't. Yeah. It's not neurotic. It's common sense. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's yeah. not. It's not like it's not a psychological abnormality. No, it's no. common sense. Right. Like I'm not gonna hand over the holotypes of like somebody like, oh, I don't know, like right. Pack or something because some like 25 year old PhD student wants to like get DNA get from them. Yeah. Like that's now, like now I will tell you this though. They would do that. I was watching uh, Kyle taking these micro tweezers 
and literally pinching a barely visible piece of gill tissue with, with his tweezers. And I'm just thinking, man, I get, I get if, if this herbarium guy doesn't want me doing it, I get it. If he doesn't want Kyle doing it, he doesn't want Steve doing it. He doesn't want Ed doing it, but God, I wish somebody would be allowed to to do this in some sort of systematic way. Cause some of these things that are, are being arranged, rearranged, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it sure would be valuable information to have that. That's, that's where I'm coming from. Because otherwise, well, at some point in you, time, don't these all just shrivel up into dust anyway? No. No. Well, when you spend 20 years of your life and you write a monograph on that genus and you want to sample, like, literally, like, when you, like, I got some of Pegler's samples because I was doing a PhD on Lentinus, but right. they were, like, copy. They didn't send me the whole holotype. Because again, if you if you are willing to spend the next 20 years of your life studying one genus of mushrooms, you can have the holotypes. Right. But until then, if you, like you said, are running a thousand samples, what happens if you mislabel one of them? Oh, I get it. If I you get, get a thousand, right. this is like, so I don't, I don't know, like characterizing a herbarium director as neurotic is not really right. a good word to use. They're doing their job. Yes, they're doing their job. Yeah. They're not like, yeah, fuck all you guys. You can't have the holotypes. They're right. doing their job. And if they didn't right. do that job properly, they would be fired. So here's my question, because who am I? I'm nobody. But here's my question, though. What is it doing sitting in the box by itself for the rest of eternity? It's not. It's waiting for you to do a 20-year study on that monograph okay. and okay. to get the credentials to where you would care enough. Right. I hate to say it, but if you had a thousand boxes of holotypes sitting on your back shelf there, you wouldn't know what any of them were. Nope. So they would mean nothing. So what if your ceiling starts leaking and it destroys a thousand right. holotypes? Yeah. This is not an irrational fear. You're making it sound like these are barium directors. Oh, no, I am not. Neurotic, I, like hoarders. Like, I no, you not. can't have it. This is no. like, these are like, it'd be like walking into the Smithsonian being like, oh, I'd right. like the collection of Darwin's finches. Right. I just want to pull some feathers off them. Is that okay? Right. My name's I get, Bob. I get it. Like, get I'll it. get, I'll bring them back in the afternoon. It's like, come on. Like, this right. is like unreasonable right. expectations. Sure. I get that. My apologies for using the word neurotic, dude. I'm not. Yeah. I mean, I'm just telling you, my perception is that you have to. In order to do that job, you have to have a true reverence for those things and a protective nature, which I misappropriately use the term neurotic for. Well, My I would apologies. say if you're doing a thousand sequences of run, I'm probably guessing you don't have a reverence for those samples. Sure. It's numbers. Right. Right. When I did my PhD, I had 250 samples in my final thesis. That took me four years. Right. If you're running a thousand samples on every minion run or whatever, nanopore run, it's like if you had a thousand children, right? Sure. Once you get past about seven children, I get they all kind of blend together. I get that. So the, the logistics of shipping a thousand holotypes right. and, a, right. and sequencing, there might be a little mis, oh, right. mislabeling and then Again, I don't think somebody who has a thousand sequences a day really gives them the proper reverence. I'm with it's you. It's just a numbers game at that point. Sure, you I get can't it. know a thousand species in even one family or one. Right. Uh, you know. Right. So, so 
saying that those people doing that have the amount of reverence, say somebody who studied a single genus for four years or oh, I'm not years saying of their that. life, it's right. not an adequate comparison. Right. It's like, right. I get, I get that. I agree. Um, I'm just sitting back here going, I'm still doing this. Like you're talking or like, uh, Dorothy slippers from the wizard of Oz. You can't just borrow it. Hey, can yeah, I just show exactly. my buddy? I exactly. get that. I understand. But then also there's another part of me that says, cool. So we got these slippers. We also got photos of them. We also still got the movies of them. So there is a point with this where, we uh, so okay right what what is it that we've only described a small fraction one to three percent of all the fungus on the earth right and and so there's already more holotypes than anyone could ever touch or do anything with and i mean mycology programs have basically turned into plant pathology programs and you only sort of get to actually love mushrooms <laughs> getting your phd these days there's a handful of places you can get an actual mycology degree. So like, how do you ever get through all this stuff? Like when, when, and how is that ever going to happen? That's, that's my only, my only thing. So you're you're kind of proving my point. You're saying that like one person who does a thousand sequences has any, so they have one, one thousandth. There's not even people to dedicate time to a single genus. So how is one person going to dedicate to a thousand different holotypes? Right. You're you're kind of proving my point. If you just hand over, like, so there is a criteria for that. It's called dedication and study. And when you get the letters PhD after your name, they will probably give you those samples. Right. Until you have an academic position and you understand the ramifications of destroying right. that holotype because you, you know, you might mess it up right. when you understand the significance of that and some realize that that is somebody else's life work that you are destroying. Right. When you understand the significance of that, they will give you that holotype. Right. But just so I, I, I kind of don't I, understand what your point I, is. I, I guess honest. I'm trying to get <laughs> I'm trying to get at something and I'm not doing a, a good job of it. Why isn't this a greater interest for academic mycology i guess is my question like with this new it seems to be and again i'm just trying to understand this i've i've not picked a side i'm not do you know what i mean i'm just trying to understand there's there is a lot of molecular biology going on right now this is kind of the hot button this is like if you're going to get a degree this is what people seem to be getting a degree in this also the informatics and all this kind of stuff seems to be what the universities actually like and care about i mean right what this guy uh Matheny, he is on systematics and ecology right so it seems to be everything is about this, and yet no one has ever – I have not heard that anybody at the upper echelons of this world is saying, man, how should we approach sequencing some of these at least type specimens, right? Like do we have all okay, the sequences okay, wait, for we the – Because you're looking at the big picture of like right. – So like if you have a cardiologist, do they do neurosurgery? No. No, right. So if I study right. Lentinus, am I going to study Lactarius? Probably not. No. See, you're looking at the very big like list picture. Sure. Like I literally, dude, I spent four years studying one genus. Right. 
I, 80 species I know, in and one I, genus. Right. This is why if you have people out there that are dedicated to doing that, they will study it. It's just like a cardiologist studies uh, hearts, and that's probably all he does. He's not interested in feet and noses and things like that. That level of dedication. So the people who are just like randomly doing sequences of everything so they can get a big old paper that shows, oh, 140 genera. And this those papers normally have like dozens of authors. And it's right. because every sure. one of those authors is a specialist in that little part, that little branch right. with the little twigs. To I, I, I think you're kind I'm, of. I hear you. Up, I hear so. you now. No, I, I, I hear you. I get it. It's like saying because I I'm like asking, dogs, right. I should. I'm like asking get, the wrong question. I, I, I do I understand yeah, that. You're, I get you're it. Kind of. I am. No, I know point. that. But sometimes I do ask the wrong question on purpose so that I can, I can learn something. What we should be asking is why are our younger people not interested in that I'm with stuff? you. But, dude, I've been on some Reddit stuff. You can't blame threads. it on the old people. No, no, I don't. You can't I just don't. say, oh, it's this fuddy-duddies. You don't. There's not younger people. How many people under the age right. of 30 were at the NAMA foray? Probably like five under or 10, 30? maybe. Oh, no, 20 or 30, maybe. Oh. Um, I, I, I took a 22-year-old to one of the forays in my truck. There are, there Were are they young people interested in studying a single genus for the rest of their life. That I don't know. But but again, so here's what I was saying. I was on a Reddit subthread and it was full of people that were plant pathology professors at universities chiming in cuz somebody asked a question like, "Hey, if I want to get a degree in mycology, like if I want to do a PhD in mycology, how do I pull it off?" it seems like there are not that many mycology programs. And so these guys started coming in and saying, Not true, not true. I constantly refer people to, here's what you do. You get that paper. Here's how to get into mycology. I'll tell you right now. You find a paper, could be on Reddit. You find the actual paper. You look at the authors and you email those authors. Oh, that's that's actually what they said too. And they said that it wasn't necessarily under a formal like mycology program, but it's there not, were plenty of mycologists. Yeah. There's not people when they get into it and they realize what it's about. That's when you don't get the glory and the fame and the papers and the, and the like, you right. know, the, the sort of news story when you're like, well, I deciphered the, <laughs> you know, the, the subgenus like right. Fermiosa in the, in the subgenus right. Colossophy of the, Blah, blah, like right. you're you're you don't get the fame and the glory for that. So nobody oh, no. wants to do it. It's not particle physics. Unless you're doing something with edibles or medicine, like you don't get the glory. And there right. are people doing that stuff, but you don't see them and you don't know them because they're not at Nama Forays. They're right. sitting with their their head in a in a microscope over a microscope right. in the books. So we don't know. I'm not saying like we don't know about those people that are doing the real work. They don't sure. go to NAMA forays. And you can very easily sure. get into mycology. But how many people did you see like pulling open a monograph or dichotomous keys? A lot of people can't even be bothered to go through dichotomous keys. You're like, here. Sure. The I, there, there were people there like that, but there were also very intelligent people using dichotomous keys who had one, they had their backpack and then they had another pack that was their Bo Leet book and their this book and their there were people using keys there. There oh, that's were. what I'm saying. I'm 
Is it everybody? It's just like when we do a the average a, person, right? Know of course not. Is. The average person in our world today doesn't want to know how to do anything. They're mad when they have to figure out how to, you know, download something on an app. I get that, and that's obviously a problem with how we've structured society. And I agree. I've I've looked into it. I've said, hey, how do I? If I wanted to get a degree in mycology, what's the what's the buy-in? What how much is it going to cost me? It's free. What's the uh, okay? I've told people this over and over and over again, and they don't they just don't go through with it. Right. They, it's I just All right. you don't you find don't, paper, don't dare me. Uh, the, don't dare me. <laughs> oh, I ha- I've dared many people, and they right. don't go through with it. Like right. you said, it's the problem with yeah. our society today. Agree. Younger people are not interested in anything beyond like, what can I make from this? How much money can I get? Right. Or what kind of fame or Instagram glory is this going to get me? When That's you actually, true, man. Yeah. Yeah, they're it's not going to study like a subgenus of, of a genus of some non-edible mushroom. Right. Like I tell people exactly how to, this, to do this. And then like a month later, I'm like, oh, did you email that guy? Like I'll send right. them the email of the guy to email and they just don't follow through with it. Right. Then like you wanted to study mycology, right? I thought. But then it just gee, right. it goes away. So don't I, I just I'm saying like I'm older and like younger people always blame the older people. Like, why don't sure. you do this? Why don't you let us do that? But right. they don't do it. The younger people don't do it. Like they were the ones who were going to save the world and they were so concerned about waste. And right. and those are the ones I see dumping like e-vape or pens or whatever, like on the table and walking away. Because right. that's not their job to pick it up. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, as I turn into the old people, I, I I definitely know what you're talking about. All right. Somebody brought something up here. Where was it? I wanted to pull it up. All right. This isn't it, but I'll pull this one up while I'm looking for the other one. Uh, All right. Here's the one I was looking for. All right, out of the bubble said, I recently asked an herbarium about sequencing a holotype, and they were more than happy to ask their in-house mycologist to do so. Oh, okay. All right, maybe someone will do it for you. It's just you got to um, find a guy willing to I, take requests. I don't, um, I, I'm wondering about that because, see, what? okay, hold that up for a second. When I sure. see this, the, sec, the species epithet isn't capitalized. So when I see that, if I am the director of the herbarium and I see somebody ask for P period W capital, I'm immediately saying mm-hmm. that person doesn't understand taxonomy. They would nothing against out of the bubble. I know it does that automatically on spell check, but you don't capitalize species names. Sure. I mean, it so might just I'm be her- being casual. I don't care what it is, but as an, uh, an right. herbarium director, if I see that, I immediately say, wow, this guy wants me to hand over the holotype, and he doesn't know that species names are not capitalized. Right. Well, Do he actually didn't say he asked for the holotype. He just asked about sequencing. Well, whatever, the, whatever, right. the, the, whatever right. he's doing, you, you, any good taxonomist would know that the species name is not capitalized. Right. That would be like, hey, your your cardiologist comes in and says, um, what is this thing? There's some kind of valve on your heart. What is that again? 
aorta, valve. Like I don't really quite remember that. Right. Like you don't capitalize Again, Ed, species Ed, names. We can move on, but my uh, what my point is is this day and age, there are some times when people just slang it out in in their DMs. Right? They're not. They in the DM they don't. They're not talking to their thesis advisor. I'm, I'm right? They're just with talking. The way- Normal so I, I don't know reports. if I'm I'm trying to a, a, attack out of the bubble like he just said, you know, I'm, I'm aware. No, I'm not either. I'm not either. I'm saying right. that if you were getting that as an herbarium director, you would be immediately suspicious. Right. Right. Like if I was applying to a job and I didn't, if I just said, can I have the, like, I get people now that don't write, dear Ed, they just like write, like, they just go straight in, no cap. Oh, I get no that too. I know. Yeah. This is something like people are losing because of the, the electronic messaging. If you are going to send an email to the author of a paper on a genius that you might want right. to work with, make sure you use punctuation and capitals. Yeah, These are very you like OCD, very detail-oriented people sure. that study taxonomy and nomenclature. And if you send them in a message with no punctuation and no capitals in it, they're immediately going to throw it away and be like, this person is not qualified. Right. Yeah. Right. They don't know how to address me correctly. Right. They don't know and, how to write. And now I, I, I hear where you're coming from because a lot of what we're doing now, I think I see it from a different angle, but I, I truly hear what you're saying. It is, um, it's that sometimes people in our community, non-taxonomists who maybe have a burgeoning interest in mycology, maybe do something audacious like email an herbarium director and then mistype something and then learn a lesson like, oh, I didn't get anywhere. Oh, well, I just, you know, I just noticed I, I didn't get my binomial nomenclature right. I, I, I don't know a lot of things and I came at this guy the wrong way. Right. I'm, I'm aware of that. But would you give that person a sample? No, never. Of course not. Never That's in a million, never in a million years. But I, don't I understand like, how right. DM and texting works. But I'm saying as the herbarium director, if you got that message, would you trust that person? I probably wouldn't even respond to it. Right. That's the yeah. point I'm making. I get That's it. That's the point I'm, I'm with making. you. Yeah. Um, um, okay. So this person asks... So is there a taxonomy for amateur mycologist book? Um, I think Ed brought up, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first book he recommended to me was the, um, it's like a little field guide for identifying with macroscopic features. Well, I'll try to pull it up on Amazon and show it. It depends. Again, mycology is so huge. I was going to do some videos about this. There's a lot of literature. It depends. Do you want like a field guide or do you want something that's going to get into microscopy? Um, I get this question a lot. And often I, when I give, I tell people what book to get and I ask them about it, they haven't even bothered to download the PDF file right. of that book. And I can, and I can only imagine as an actual mycologist, how, how annoying that must be. Yeah, um, I, I feel the same. No, way it's sometimes. not annoying. Again, it's it it ju- it makes you measure out uh, what type of dedication this person has. Probably very you meter casual. Out your, yeah, you meter out your responses for like how much right. am I going to dedicate to answering this person's question who has a very very fleeting casual interest in that like they just yeah fire off a text message to me and then never have any yeah. interaction after that. Oh yeah, I, I've learned that. That's I, I've learned to assess. 
that better and better as time goes on on like oh i am very hesitant now to i used to just oh you want to know how to do that cool i'll take one hour of my day and explain that to you and then you're not even doing it anyway yeah 100 percent. all right i found uh to answer that question I'm not sure why, but I've never given you a suggestion about a book that that question asks. Well, I'll show you what what I'm thinking of here. All right, this will be a surprise. This will be a walk down memory lane here. All right, that book. Oh, Largent or Largent. Yes, I have suggested that, but I didn't know why you were looking for it. I just want a picture. Yeah, yeah there's this a would be a series. beginning way of learning taxonomical nomenclature, right? Like terms and um, like step one, books. learn to describe mushrooms. Not really. There's five books that all address different things. Okay. So there's a series of them. The one is called How to Identify Mushrooms, a Genus, uh, like macroscopic characters. Then there's microscopic right. characters. And then there's, I think, one that's all just a key a field guide to like so right. like morphological characters you might see in the field like you know the gill attachments spore color things like that right so that's why that question is a little bit tricky because it it like it kind of depends like are you interested in microscopy or you just want to know what you can eat or are you really just you know i don't know are you interested in things like polypores because most books right. don't have like polypore stuff on them. It really, it's a kind of a big question. that uh, It is. And, and for one person, the answer might be different than yeah. for another person. I know for me, I'm starting with mushrooms. Like I'm doing this little project right now. I'm starting with the mushrooms in my yard of which I think I'm at about 38 species. And I'm just going to learn those. Like I'm going to learn as much as I can about those. I want to know, I want to make sure that I, know the genus and species name, but that I actually understand, uh, you know, defining characteristics of that genus. And you got, you. it's like the, how do you get to the top of the mountain? You got to take the first step. So you just got to decide something. Do you got a, a genus of mushrooms you like? Go buy a book on it. Start there. You got mushrooms that pop up in your yard? Start there. Come up with some plan but but I was just going off of his question about the taxonomy, and I thought, well, start with macro features, then go to micro features. If you're going by a microscope, that's definitely the next step. They had, by the way, at NAMA, they had a little microscope room, and uh, there were plenty of you know hard to distinguish species where they have to put it on a slide and start looking at uh, you know microscopic features and looking at spores and all that good stuff. So yeah, that's, but to me, the step one is just what can I see, taste, smell, measure, you know, uh, on, on a large scale, that's going to get me somewhere. Um, Cause at the end of the day, why, who cares? Why do you want to know how to do this? For me, it would be to identify no mushrooms in my area, you know, for people who are into this and not trying to become a professor of mycology, but there were plenty of people at NAMA who, weren't trying to be a professor in mycology, but they knew a lot of stuff. They, Yes, okay, let's not make that differentiation again. There is no huge differentiation between the academics and the field people and the yeah. people at NAMA. This artificial, uh, there's always this like artificial right. thing people like to draw, like you're an academic and I'm, okay, when you, 
the way to learn about mushrooms is to study mushrooms. And if that starts with you going out in your front yard and finding a mushroom and figuring out what the characteristics are, that's where you start. There is no starting point. Some people might start growing cubes and they eventually find out they like DNA sequencing and computer algorithms. There is no like step one. You just figure out that you like mushrooms and whatever you like about mushrooms, you start studying it. And once you figure that out, you will never stop finding other things that you like about mushrooms. So it might be like the first five, the easy five, you know, uh, chicken of the woods, head of the woods, you know, shaggy right. manes, field mushrooms and whatever else, morels. Like you learn those fives. But then you say like, well, what makes a shaggy mane? Like what? It's a caprinus or whatever it is now, caprinopsis. Like, right. well, why is caprinus? It's got black spores, you know, and free gills. Then you start getting down in the rabbit hole. Right. So there's not really like a starting point. It, the right. starting point is you having an initial interest in mushrooms. That right. is the starting point. If you don't care yeah. about mushrooms, don't study mushrooms. If you care about edibility, study edibility. If you care about microscopes, study microscopy. Right. They're all connected, but oftentimes people make these like they, this is what humans do. And this is right. becoming That's more and more do. prevalent. There's tribes like everybody's yeah. so goddamn tribal now. You're a microscopist or you're an academic, dude. And I, I'm obviously triggered and sensitive to this because people attack me for being an academic. Like right. I had a guy like, you know, I'm putting all these YouTube videos and I'm getting attacked, attacked because right. I studied mushrooms. Right. It's like, dude, you're interested in mushrooms. I studied right. mushrooms for 30 fucking years of my life and you're attacking me. Right. It's like, d- does that make sense to you? Not to I'm me, man. sorry I don't have your specific interest in, oh, you know, subsequentioides or like, you know, like, I'm sorry. Right. I like other parts of mushrooms, but like they're attacking me. Oh, you're an academic. And it's like these people that have a chip on their shoulder because yeah, they didn't that's what get... it is. Yes. And people need yeah. to get over that. It's right. like and you saw it. Nama, right. The people. Well, you meet at NAMA, so you they just don't, you just said they don't the have a thing. problem. No, but they if don't. other people that don't study what they, they've got, right. they got to be like all the tribal. And it's like, oh, yeah. I don't fit in with those people. When you mm-hmm. hang out and you sit at the campfire, you're drinking wine or you're in the dorm. They're just people. Right. They have different paths in life. And I'm sorry because I got a chance to go to school. I'm sorry that I sent an right. email to Ron Peterson. Like, I'm sorry that I spent four years to get a right. PhD. Like, I'm apologizing right. for the fact that I studied mushrooms. That it's like so – I don't know how to take it sometimes. Yeah. Yo, I had people like, who who messaged me going, why do you like Ed so much? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I like mushrooms and he's a mushroom professor. Like, did I have to, I actually had to explain that one to you. Are you a mushroom professor? No. Do you know any other mushroom professor who is in our cube community? Nope. As far as I know, he's the only one that I know of who is, is open and connected to both communities. But I had people asking me that. I, I've had people go, he doesn't have a PhD. And I'm like, well, y- you clearly didn't vet that one. I'm, yeah, like, look it up. You can ignorant. look up his papers. Yeah. See, that's the kind of thing when, when somebody says stuff like that, I just, I feel sorry for them, to be honest. They're just dumb. Like, oh my yeah. God, you're, you're so ignorant just and dumb, dumb that like, yeah. I don't even know where to go with people like that. 
I yeah. usually, honestly, I used to get a little bit irritated. Now I just feel sad for them. I'm just yeah. like, wow, your life is very, very empty. I'm sorry. Like you, I don't know. I, I know. don't know what to say. Yeah, man, I, that the, the Tennessee guy, I talked to him, he brought, by the way, a lot of mycologists, only one that came up from multiple people in multiple presentations, your buddy, Ron, he's a big deal. Yeah, he was Appalachian mycology for the last like 50 years. Big deal. He came up frequently, right? And when, when I talked to um, that guy, um, he seemed very, the, the uh, Tennessee guy, like he was real happy he was at University of Tennessee. Like that, it meant a lot to him. He took it seriously. He was really looking to both do some very important work for himself and uh, wanted his students to also be doing important work. And I think that's some of the the reverence that you're talking about. Um, yeah, the, the yeah. EEB building, the evolutionary, the whatever, EEB, the, that building is named after Hessler of Hessler and Smith, who wrote a lot of the monographs on some of the Eastern North America taxa. Just that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is the thing, like, again, if you were talking about reverence earlier, like, I get a feeling like all the, it was the same way when I was growing up. It's always this idea that we're the new generation. Fuck everything else. Like, just throw that away. That's all garbage. And then they want to rewrite. It's every generation. Yeah, I feel like every generation, there is that in almost any yeah. community. Yeah. I So when I was studying poetry at U of M, there was that. There was there was the um the formalist versus the postmodern poets, you know the people that liked metered uh you know verse and the thought that was an important institution to protect and then there were the new people that were like, fuck I don't even care if my shit's got alliteration in it like it doesn't even have to look like a poem it's gonna look weird and both are important and, and at U of M I think they did a pretty good job of uh of showing reverence to, to both camps. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I think that's just always going to be the case because somebody, right. We are tribal. Like human beings are definitely tribal. We can do this whole kumbaya peace, you know, let's have peace. I, I've taken a few human history classes and all it's, you're pretty much studying in human history is all the wars we've ever had. So like, yeah. this is what we do. <laughs> I we pick a side it. and then we attack the other side. Um, so even like this Sports whole, like, game. yeah, Football. we've been doing this forever, right? This is nothing new. This is us versus them. It, it shouldn't be this way in mushrooms. Of like, course this is not. the problem, right? Mushrooms, especially are like Kumbaya psychedelic mushrooms. Why is there such divisions? This is what kind of makes me very, very sad to be honest, because as this becomes more of an economic thing, it's going to get more and more. Uh, it's going to be worse. Yeah. And already, like yeah. you said, people are like, why does somebody care if you like me? What what the fuck does that have to right. do with anything in their life? Right. It's just so weird. And I get the same thing. And you got to be like careful who you talk about to this person and that person because you don't know what tribe they're in. And it's like, oh, my gosh. <sighs> yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I got I got people that we were friends until they found out I made a sterilizer because they bought a sterilizer yeah. from some other guy. And then, I mean, I like know. the sterilizer tribe, I didn't even know I it was know. a thing until all of a sudden I found out I had people that just straight up didn't like me. And I'm like, what did I do to you, man? 
Like I didn't oh, I... do anything to you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's amazing yeah. that people, even the people like among the vendors with like spore swaps, they they like some of them hate each other, and it's like ah, like yeah. we're all supposed to be on the same team. Nope, but, uh... nope. It's what we do. It's making right. do 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 the fern girls do that ad? Do the fern yeah, girls hate the mushroom the... people? Oh, there were do. a lot of ferns in Appalachia. I can tell you the, that. The I, I thought fight. the fern girls were just going to come out and just jump on me, but no. The liverwort people—they're like the most pretentious. They're like they hate the the bryologists. They're like, well, you know, it's it's technically hepaticology. It's not. Wow. It's not bryology. I studied liverworts. They're, they're hepatophytes, not bryophytes. Uh, yeah, I don't know about. I've never met a, a fern person. Um, I, I I do know that uh, Mandy like, and Alan they went down to Ecuador, and apparently the week before they got there, there were some reptile people there. Um, now again, I'm gonna keep. Uh, this is all new to me. So like, I've I've never been to a Nama. I don't have a PhD in mycology. So being around some of these people, it was new for me. Um, so I'm going to, I keep referencing uh, Arlene quite a bit. She said, um, you know, you just pick your thing. She's like, you know, and, and you just pick your thing and then that's your thing. It can be race cars. It can be just sitting and drinking a beer, watching football. If that's your, your thing. Okay. Good for you. But you know, hopefully you pick a thing that you're really passionate about and interested in, and then you somehow contribute to. That's kind of the ideal situation. But she was just like, you know, fungi picked me. This was, I really didn't have a say in the matter. I could have tried to get away. I couldn't, I couldn't have gotten away from them. That just wherever I went, the mushrooms were there. And I thought that was a very cool way of putting it. Yeah, I uh, some people the guy asked me two days ago, like, why do you study mushrooms? And I just I honestly didn't know what to tell them. I was I like, don't I don't know. Why do you watch football? I don't yeah, know. Why do you I, drink yeah, beer? Exactly. I don't know. Why do you do anything you do? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know. I do something that because I don't want to grow old and senile. And it's something yeah. that I can continue to learn for the rest of my life. Like, I mean, I you learned... don't you'd really don't even need if someone doesn't understand having an interest or a passion and pursuing it i don't think that i don't think any response you can give that person is going to actually work yeah or resonate with that person anyway yeah a lot of people like money that's usually the main reason yep. they study things yeah if you're gonna I'm, didn't didn't we did we talk about it? i can't remember who i talked about uh with this but um you know back in the day right? Scientists, it was purely about science. Or if you go way back, the, the first scientists were just keen observers. So they were usually also illustrators or artists, right? Like take da Vinci. He was both an artist and a scientist. Observing was the important feature, right? They were observers of the world and they did both these things. Ernst Henkel, for example, but now there's a new model. The new model is not purely to know why. The new model is to go, I'm smart. I'm smart enough to do this whole science thing. And I think I can make some money doing it if I can only just find one little thing to capitalize on. And that's where we're at now. I think there's a lot of people that are doing that. I don't think that's everybody. I think there's still some real scientists out there, but people want that money.
Well, it could be academic position. It could be just a promotion. It could be some kind of longer gain. I mean, I think right. a lot of people also look now in the very short term. What can I do in the next six months or year to make my life better? Which is understandable. Sure. When you start to study things, like if you're going to go into academia, like you're not going to get rich doing it and you're not going to make right. any money doing it. Right. You can support a family and have a nice career, but that kind of dedication is not what most uh, younger people have these days. It's kind of yeah. ironic that we live longer, but people look in the more short term. Like instead of working for something for 10 or 15 years, like your educational background and maybe a, a crappy job, you know, where, right. like you might work in the herbarium instead of like being the director, right. you know? So instead of starting off doing that, they just want to jump to the end point where they get all the money and sure. they don't really look. I, I've noticed a lot of people, I think this is going to get worse because academia and I mean, ed, the educational system is just so, so kind of shorting out because of COVID and everything that happened. Like the students now don't seem to have any sort of end point. There's no, there's no reason to invest the time now for a later gain or something mm. that's going to happen later that could be beneficial. They want things to happen now. And if they don't see a tangible like benefit right now, they don't do it. Interesting. Like, the, you know, how I long we've we been in school. Like, I, I, wonder, is, I wonder if you, you know, if, if I had on 20 science professors who were, you know, well-regarded doing some important research I wonder how many of the, uh, in in older, like close to retirement age, I wonder what they would say as far as like, what were you students like back in the eighties versus what are you students like now? And, and they, and, and to get them to actually answer that question, honestly, I would be curious whether they felt that there were, that they had to navigate their students differently uh, now than they did back then, or if there's still a handful of people that get it and, you know, care about it or not, I, I wonder. Yeah, and I wonder in 10 years from now, too. Yeah. I, I'm genuinely concerned about this, oh. like, sort of Generation Z or whatever. The, the students around the ages of 20 are, they're in, like, such a, a sort of, like, haze of like what has just happened and what am i going to do for a job am i going right. to have a job should i even try to get a job should i get an education should i just start a business they are confronted with things you know when i was growing up it was pretty straightforward like you went to school you got a degree you right. went to work you worked you retired it's not like that anymore no. and even the people like our age like i know 50 year old people that are getting fired from the jobs that they worked for you oh, know, yeah. 20 30 years and they're just laid off and then that laid off turns into like retirement right and that that's like the world we live in now. oh the i mean the the kiss of death is losing if you've been in one career your whole life and you're between 45 and 60 and you lose yeah. your job right the job that you maybe hope to hit one more rung on the ladder from and you lose that you're done these days, you're done. I mean, they do that in nursing, too. And I'm not, this is like my fourth career. I'm not married to this career. I could walk away tomorrow if a better opportunity came up. This is, I'm classic ADHD, right? I don't have a passion. I have just passions. <laughs> what is it this year? What is it, you know, five years from now? Everything is fascinating to me. So, but in nursing, they love it when the old people retire. <laughs> and 
and they encourage it. One of my coworkers, she's older than me. She's been a nurse for 34 years. And uh, she had what she thought was going to be her last job up uh, towards Cleveland area a little bit more. And they just straight up laid her off. She was like almost, I think she was four years away from having her full pension. And they just came up with a way of getting rid of her. It, it was all under the guise of like, oh, we don't need as many nurses now, blah, blah, blah. And then no more than six months later, they asked her to come back. And she said, okay, how much are you going to pay me? And they wanted to pay her $6 less than what she left at. And she said, why on earth would I take that offer? But this is what they're doing to people now. They're just playing games. It's like with Walmart, right? Walmart doesn't have any full-time employees other than upper management and mid-level management because they don't want to pay anybody benefits, right? This is <laughs> Pensions are gone, a lot of part-time work. I mean, this is all a sign that n corporations don't care about people. People don't care about people. This is why we all have psilocybin, right, as best case scenario, it reconnects us to nature, to the people we love, all this kind of stuff, because we live in a, a, a world that doesn't seem to be caring about that stuff. Like uh, Rachel Harris was on, and she, man, she blew my mind in her book when she was talking about, um, she said, you know, the psilocybin thing, right? She's like, right now our society is only framing it by legality and medicinal value. She said, but the most important aspect of this medicine is its spiritual medicine, what it can do for our psyches, our spirits, this kind of thing. And she's like, that's not even really on the table. That's, and she's like, society doesn't do that, right? In, in, our, in our culture, that's not discussed whatsoever. And uh, wardrobe, all right, I, I know wardrobe. But you can just study mushrooms, you know, you don't have to study psilocybin mushrooms, too. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> like, a lot of people out there, I one of the people I was talking to, they, they didn't even realize, like, there were other mushrooms besides, like, drug mushrooms. That like, a lot of people really... Yeah, there's really a section of the younger community that believes that mushrooms are either for pizza or to get high. Right. They don't realize. And I, to be honest, I grew up in the woods and I didn't really notice mushrooms. If you talk a lot of the, the talk to a lot of the foragers, they'll be like, mm -hmm. you know, I was in the woods my whole life and I just never noticed the mushrooms. But once you start noticing them, noticing them, you're like, wow, they're like everywhere. Like they're in their front yard. They're at the park. Yeah. You know, they're. I mean, they're I didn't, like, didn't you, you, I mean, I don't, I thought we had almost the identical childhood, but, um, I, we lived, my first house, we lived on the sand dunes um, of Lake Michigan. I was three houses down from the state park in Muskegon, and I didn't play with toys. I rode my bike. I built forts in the woods. I literally lived in the woods. So I saw mushrooms all the time. I mean, I now do you see these Instagram videos where somebody finds a mushroom and then they just throw it against a tree? That was like me my whole childhood. We'd find a cool mushroom, show it to whoever I was playing with, and then we just throw it against a tree. That was like what I did. 
that's what I did too. But when I was like 16 and I realized that I got interested in edible plants. And so I realized yeah. that, yeah, everybody's kicked a puff ball or probably right, found right. a morel or jumped on a polypore and tried yeah. to knock it off the tree. Right. But that's not really studying. I no, mean, no, no. That, sure. that was my interest in mushrooms until right. I realized that's what I'm saying. The people who are into psilocybes, right. they need to realize that there's like 99% more of the mycology, mycology right. stuff. Right. out there it's not just puffballs morels and right. like psychedelic mushrooms there's like other but, kinds of mushrooms. but that is important though see i say this because when i ask everybody their michael origin story I, in the back of my head i'm always hoping that the story they tell is a very early story with some sort of relationship to mushrooms um and some people have said that and but often it's you know early adulthood magic mushrooms um, for me, I can tell you for a fact, all my passions in life, woodworking, bonsai, mushrooms, mountain biking, literally almost everything besides music, everything I have been super passionate about goes back to the woods, right? Like living every day, all day, all summer in the woods. That's where all those passions start from. I mean, that's my belief about it. Um, when I built furniture, I would do, uh, I, I would do these little art fairs and, you know, artisan fairs and stuff. And, um, most people would just walk right by your furniture and in your mind, you're like, how are you walking by this? This is like the most breathtaking. And I, I would, I'd like to think I was pretty good. All my designs showcased wood grain and really showed off what was special about every uh, species of wood I work with. And so, but most people just walk right by. But, you know, maybe one out of 10 would stop and just be in awe of it. And you can't, why, why is that? That's just like, right, with mushrooms or flying or whatever your fucking interest is. Well, that's what Something I... happened when you were young that formed a relationship to that thing you're interested in. That's my, my belief anyway. Yeah, but that, that's, uh, that's our upbringing. My, I'm not sure. interested in. I'm not really interested in motivating those people because right, they're motivated right. already. What I want to do is put ideas into somebody who never had those experiences because they didn't have those opportunities. Right. Like if I there. can, if, if I can inspire somebody who grew up in the hood to like pick up a book about mushrooms and be like, wow, like this polypore that's growing on the park where I play basketball, like it has a name and it has a history right. and there's other polypores and, oh, you know, I might go out in my grandma's backyard, you know, she lives a little bit out right. of outside of town and wow, there's all these mushrooms out there too. That's how it starts. Yes. So if you can put those, yes. plant those seeds in people's heads, that's what I want to do. And also spores. realize, let's put make spores sure they're, in their heads. Yeah, that might have been in there for a long time. <laughs> right. But it's it's almost like a, a addictive almost because once you start to like find out things that you didn't even know existed, you're just like, wow, there's right. like this whole world. And now with, yeah. like you were talking about identifying mushrooms. Here, here's another thing I'll just say outright. You don't need a book to identify mushrooms. There's so much stuff on the internet. Oh, yeah. When people ask me what book I should use, I'm sorry. Who reads books anymore? I don't read books. Right. If I want to find something out, I go on the internet. And I don't know if that's sort of like people's like effort to be like, look how dedicated I am. I want to buy a book. You don't need a book to study mushrooms. 
90% of the stuff is right there in the Google search bar. If you want to know what, what, a, uh-huh. what a dichotomous key is, you just type it in Google. There's Mushroom Expert is a great one. There, there's just hundreds. So many. Oh, yeah. I stop. I stop bookmarking them. There's so many keys to the right. Midwest Boleets and the Boleet filter and Nama filters. And there are like hundreds right. and hundreds. When I used to do the website for the MMHC, the Michigan Mushroom Hunters Club, like it was like revolutionary to put like a key right. on the Internet. Right. Back in like 1994, that was like some revolutionary shit, man, to put like, ooh, like hyperlink to like, oh, if it's got a decurrent gills, go to number five and you like hyperlink it to number five. Like right. that was some revolutionary shit, man. <laughs> like oh, now yeah. you've got like pull down menus and you just do like, you know, six or seven characters at a time and you, you know, get to that uh, genus like almost immediately. Right. Like spore color, gill attachment, annulus no ancient, vulva no vulva, and you're there already. So those were like those uh, how to know genera or how to know genus, uh, mushroom to genus or whatever it's called. Those books, they have very old names. Those books don't have Copernopsis or Copernella. Right. Or yeah. in them, they're like old school. Like there's probably 50 genera that would have been in agaricus in that book that are now like microsaliota and my- right. megacalibia and microcalibia. Yeah. Like, so those older books sometimes are not, unfortunately, the best places to go. Right. Because they'll confuse people like everything else. The best place to go is the internet. You're right. Um, that was even referenced by multiple presenters. Like there was sort of a... A, a classic uh, like moment where they would go, well, okay, you know, you know, they they would say the old name and then correct themselves and and make a comment about like, yeah, you know, it's they would either directly say, yeah, I can't keep up or something like that, but yeah. but yeah, a lot that it, it's true. You're <laughs> you can buy a book from 2020 these days, and that book might be out of date in two years, so. Oh, the Bolete yeah. names. I'm sure oh, yeah. Alan Bassett was on, because he's like the authority on Eastern he's North the American Bolete. Guy, yeah. And he knows all the genera that were. So they're not. Here's the, the ironic thing they're not new genera. Those right. are old names that they're you just have to big, rediscover. Yeah. Right. But because somebody 50 years ago right. thought it was a different genus based on maybe, oh, the spores have little bumps on them uh, right. or they're striate or something like that, they would put it into a different. You know, it's not Bolete, right. it's Boletellus. Right. If you don't know Boletellus existed 50 years ago, you, you that's right. that's where the dedication comes in is you have to be familiar right. with not what is going on now but the last 50 years of stuff. Or maybe Oh, even I longer. I get that where I'm like the the answer I want to a certain question, I'm like god finding this is going to be impossible for me because I'm too new to this whereas if I ask a guy who's been doing this for 30 years, you go, oh, yeah, just this, 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 and this. But to try to decipher that on your own takes takes more work because like you're saying, right, they're all the mushrooms. There, There's probably in the last hundred years, if you could just somehow be omniscient and just know all the mushrooms that ever existed a hundred years ago versus now, same mushrooms. All that's changing right. is how we're identifying them. Are right. we finding them? Are we not? The mushrooms aren't changing. How right. we exactly. classify them, what we're using to classify them is changing. But it's all just the mushrooms. 
there's, well, there's issues like European names, North American names. All is that it the stuff. same yeah. thing. When you guys go out west for the NAMA next year, you're going to see the West Coast. You're going to see what we would call Cantharella Siberius. You'd be like, mm, that's not Siberius. Right. Like, you know, it's not the right thing, but that's when you put it on the table, you're going to be like, oh, that goes in the Cantharella Siberius. Now it might be Formosus or Oregonensis or right. whatever, whatever it's called now, but it's like, there's, you kind of need to know. It's a big, big thing. I don't mean, yeah. I, I almost laugh now sometimes when I see somebody make a Facebook post and they put like a species name. I'm like, whoa, that's brave. Oh, like I got said, attacked. I got attacked. Rizzy gave me a hard time right away. I put up a little eyelash cup. and uh, That's exactly what I was thinking about. Yep. I, I got, he said, well, <laughs> until you pull out your microscope, you don't know. And I said, I hear you. I didn't have a microscope with me. I had never seen one. It's literally about three millimeters. It's so tiny. There's nothing to it. Um, I thought it was cool. So I, you know, it, the, the pictures I looked up, it looks spot on and it, it, on Inata said it was very commonly occurring in that area. So I went with it. And so I, I had to later adjust my post to, you know, potentially it's yeah. this and you know here's Everything. a little information about it and i'll get it sequenced and figure out what it is whether i was right or wrong but yeah you're right you you definitely ah uh, uh, no, wait 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 coke see so you say that so casually and cavalierly i'll get it sequenced and figure out what it was uh, you're right i did say how that how are you like, i did how I, are you i'm assuming know? that because two different people told me that you have to identify it microscopically that it's fairly well studied and i was assuming that it would be in genbank but yes i i i made some assumptions there i might not ever know what it is but that but i'm fingers crossed i'm hoping the two names would have to be in so see what we're getting back to this that whoever put that sequence in genbank put a name on it I okay. Right. I, so that I hear name, you. I hear you. That name mm. is matching the the sequence is matching to the name that was put right. on it by a person, not right. the person. That doesn't right. mean okay. that's what it is. Here's here's what I mean. I hope that the sequence is a hundred percent match to a paper written by somebody who I can trust that that gave that sequence a name. That's yeah. a big assumption because I can right now go on GenBank and put sequences and give them a name. Anybody can do it. Yeah, but if the sequence is linked to a paper, right, that should mean more than a random yeah. sequence. Yeah, yeah. but that's that all means I'm just, saying. There's got to be somebody studying scutellinia, the eyelash cup fungus, right. and then there has to be somebody who has went back and looked at the whole right. genus and all the names and the taxonomy that was used to separate those names. Yes. So just matching it to a sequence on GenBank. Right. I, I get, I'm sorry, we go keep going back to this. Sure. Matching a sequence on GenBank is not the be-all, end-all of You're like, right. oh, it's I not. got that. Because that sequence is attached to a name that somebody, a human, put on that sequence. Right. They I, do, I am on your side. I have heard your point. I agree. I yes, it's not my right. side. You are right. Again, well, you're going back to the. Well, tribalism. it's just me and you this talking, my, Ed. I'm not. It's, this is my I can side. say that. I'm just if saying I, I am on. If your I side. have a dog and I tell you this is a Doberman, and right. it's not, it's a cocker spaniel. But the only person who tells you that's a Doberman is me, and you don't have any other information. You're going to think this dog is a Doberman, right? Like, see, I don't. 
like this sure. is something I constantly talk about with people, and I don't know why it's like so hard to understand. It's the not. Sequence- a, I understand what you're saying, and I agree with you. I I okay. I I'm a fast talker. <laughs> I, I talk before I think sometimes. I do my best thinking out loud. I use the wrong terminology, dude. My apologies. I, I won't ever no know what to. I have because I gave that I gave that specimen to Kyle, and there ain't much to it. I probably won't get it back, and if I did, it probably wouldn't be much to look at under a microscope. I, sh- I should have saved one for myself and did that work. I, but I did not. I didn't say you should do that. We were talking about the names and the GenBank sequences. Right. I didn't say any. I don't really. If you care about Scutellinia and you plan on studying it further. Yes. No, it just looked really cool. So I put a photo up and I thought I can either just put a photo up or I could maybe put also some words that might make the photo more contextualized and more interesting. So I that's what I did. Yeah. I'm not anyway, saying anything bad about I that. I can tell you right now, all I'm the not, people. I'm not attacking you for putting a poach picture of up on Facebook. I'm just saying, once you get a name in it, that's the only part of all I'm that stuff you. we just said for the last four minutes. The only part I had a problem with is once I get a sequence, I'll know what right, it is. Right. Right. That's that's. A I was very, very I was being optimistic. Statement. Yeah. Right. I know it's lovely to get a, a name when you get a name and like you can put it up there and be like, look, I'm a mushroom taxonomist now. Right. But if that name is based on a sequence in GenBank, like we've kind of been through this with the Natalensis thing for the last like year and a half. Right. Right. And I'm still getting people that like don't like, but, but, but that's in GenBank. And it's like, yes, that's one sequence in GenBank. It's right. a one string sequence. of A, C, G's and T's. That has no physical specimen connected to it. Right. So how is that meaningful? It's like kind of irrelevant information. It, it's <laughs> it is. It's a hundred percent irrelevant. Yes. And you and I both agree, or we both do not believe that what we are culturing and growing is likely not a cube. I'm 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 with you. But like what do you do? Uh, apparently several people have tried to even find out where the holotype is and can't even figure out where it is. Yeah, I've kind of given up on that whole thing because, No no um, photos. Dude, I tried to pay the money to get the paper, the 95 paper. I can't even get that paper. I just bought two obscure books and paid a bunch of money because I thought I was going to get photos from those Things and nothing. Yeah, so nineteen ninety five, nobody could take a fucking picture of this thing. Some things get hidden for reasons. And sure, it usually right. revolves around money. I mean, I who knows? I don't know. But yeah, it's it's tricky. It's fun. It's a mystery. It's fun to pursue. But there's a certain point at which I think, like, you kind of got to give up on certain things. It's like, you know, people going on and on about this. It's never going to, like, be resolved. So I'm kind of, like, when people ask me about certain things, it's kind of just like it's getting boring. (laughs) Like, it's like, okay, we're never going to know. And and then the same thing gets pulled up again and again. And it's like, wow, we need to move on. You guys, we need to move on. 
Right. Like, I don't know. Everybody likes growing natalensis, whatever it is. I mean, whatever this name we've given it, whether it's actually natalensis or whatever, but we, everybody likes growing it. Everybody well, likes the, th- the things I have it. labeled as natalensis and and nats and and NSS and things like that. Like I have all three of them, but those were labeled by a person. Right. So when some when the NSS that I have, if somebody else got an NSS and they labeled it nats, right, because they thought that stood for natalensis super strain, and they were just like, hey, nats, right. you know, one of those. I mean, didn't one of didn't those you little, talk to that uh, that's South African guy, um, or maybe I didn't. I was telling you about this guy. But anyway, this guy claims that he knows um, the family who took the. I forget who the the people were on the ninety five paper, but anyway, he claims that he knows the people who took them to the patch to show them where the natalensis grew and he knows where that is. And, and, you know, he's seen photos of what we're calling natalensis and he's like, that's not natalensis. And I said, Oh, okay, well then what is that? And he goes, well, these people, when they came, they also brought a strain of cubensis from here over. He's like, everybody over here knows what that is. Now, again, you're on the internet. So I don't even know if that guy's actually in South Africa. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Until I go to South Africa, meet the guy, meet the family, like I'm still a little skeptical. But yeah, you just just be lying. Like most everybody does in this community. Literally just straight up lie. Things that I took is like like actual like real facts and then i find out that they were just complete lies right and and when i do like my live streams like people they're pulling out these like things like this per- i heard this so i read this and i'm like where did you read that and who does right so yeah sorting through the the misinformation is that it's going to be a bigger problem that's the same thing when yeah. we get so like adding a bunch of so to go back to it, but adding a bunch of DNA sequences onto the problem of mushroom taxonomy is going to make the the situation worse. I I agree with you. I I hear that. I think you're yeah. right. I don't know uh, if we had a a sequence of every mushroom, then you still have to figure out how to separate them. So you're still back to the uh, the the realm of taxonomy, like. Right. A hundred years ago, it would have been simply something like spore color, which is fairly obvious. Right. But if you get in a modern text t- uh, context, then you have a cubensis that has translucent spores. And oh my god, dude! The like, whole what do you right this whole weekend? So there were like five or six species that were everywhere, and it was fascinating to see, even in the wild, how different they could look. Fairly different. So it, anyway, it, it made me think. Now yeah, I, I know certain, you know, the gill structure, cap structure, things like that. You know, it, I, I more or less stay the same. But there were such morphology variations, and in the ID room, that was always the challenge, right? They they said, you know, ideally, you're bringing us multiple fruits at various stages of the the fruiting development, and you're definitely telling us what substrate it grew on. You're, you're telling us as much information as possible. We're smelling, smelling it, we're tasting it. And then sometimes we even have to go start looking at canidia and stuff like that and, and spores. But it made me think about 
man, how many cubes that we grow that we know for a fact are cubes would fit the type species description for cubes. And yet it, it is a cube. Yeah, I joke about like some of the, the stuff I have. I could literally walk up to a professional mycologist and be like, what is this species? They would have no clue. No idea. No, no idea. Like some some <laughs> albino chode wave or whatever. I walk up and they're just going to be like, um, I don't know. Is it some kind of like oyster? What the hell is right. that? They're just going to be looking at me like, oh, my God. Maybe we maybe you just came up with the, the best new spinoff YouTube channel is just bringing different exotic cultigens to real mycologists and just being like bringing some enigma but like you grew it like on yeah. some forest floor substrate and you're like, I just found this. What do you think this is? Uh, well, yeah. Funny. When you get that, those hypogeus and the Sikoshioid things like, Oh the, yeah. Yeah. There, so it's called morphological plasticity. And this is a, this is a classic uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. Like people get used to one phenotype and they right. see that phenotype and then they think that they know that mushroom. And then you go to like a Namifor array and like six people come in with six different collections and they're all sitting on the table in one pile. And you're like, oh, those are all right. the same species. And you know they are because somebody with a lot more experience than you right. has put them yep. in the same pile. And you're just looking at them like, wow, if I would have found those differently in different places, I would have thought they were different. But yep. they're they're yep. not. And then when you start looking at them, you're like, oh, okay, well, that one's just younger. And that one was maybe mm -hmm. growing sideways out of the log. And that was on the top. And then you start to realize that, oh, there's this huge, huge concept. That's where we get these ideas of species concepts. And you have to get almost this sort of like imaginary, like, you know, when, when the Audubon guides, like for the birds and stuff, they used to do watercolors. And, and they used to do it for mushrooms and, and flowers right. because... That is the artist sort of synthesis of like all the different looks, the different phenotypes right. that they have seen. And so when they put that one image in the Audubon book or whatever, that is kind of like a an amalgamation of all the different. It's like, like a it's like anatomy diagrams. Yeah. And then you take human anatomy and you're actually dissecting a cadaver and you're like, oh, none of these dr drawings or illustrations really capture the arrangement of all this it doesn't yeah. capture you know nerve tracts and and veins and arteries and uh kind of how where things fit in into other nooks and crannies of organs and stuff like that until you actually dissect it you don't know that stuff 100 yeah, percent the the ones pound person and a 120 pound person are going to look dramatically different right but I loved at the foray and I'll be, you know, in the coming weeks posting more content and stuff like this about it. But the ones I really liked was when they had maybe five to 10 different fruits of a given species. And you could actually, now this is the real value of, of Nama at the end is you get to peruse all these mushrooms. You get to smell them. You get to feel them. You get to look at them in real life, not like in a photo. Now, of course, it's best if you kind of get there right as the foray is ending and they're dropping them off still pretty fresh. They, they do change a touch in their coloring and character. Um, I learned that my old ultraviolet flashlight doesn't work, you know, a day and a half later on a lot of fluorescent uh, 
mushrooms because it's all based on chemicals and the chemicals start degrading and stuff like that. So stuff yeah. that was that was blowing is not really a big taxonomic character. No, but it's like, it's, it's fun. Like, it's cool it's to see. Fun, yeah. But it's not you're not gonna see that in like a dichotomous oh, no, no, key. No. Like does yeah. it glow or not? It's like there's twenty other things you should learn before that. Right. Yes. Yeah, um, the, and the nobody real- was none of the guys were using that. They weren't going around, you know. Yeah. No, that was not a thing. It's just it's just spectacular to see. It's just really cool to see. Well, the real mycologists, you can pick them out straight away because the the people who are going to go on because they're not there in the morning. They're there at eight o'clock at night while everybody's off, like getting yep. drunk. They're the ones sitting at the ID table, like with a glass of wine, maybe, and yep. like looking at every single mushroom and like writing things down and taking pictures. And yep. those are the people who are going to go on to be the mycologist. So a lot of times when people say they want to be a mycologist too, I wonder why. Like if you want to be a mycologist and study mycology, you have to ask yourself why. Right. Like it's great to be like part of the new like micro revolution, but you really, really got to ask yourself, like if you're going to really study mycology, you have to have something in you that probably is not driven by greed, not right. by fame, not by Instagram glory. Like, like I said, while you were there, you don't see those people at that foray. They're not on Instagram. They're not on probably maybe Facebook. They're not putting Instagram posts up because they don't right. really care about all that stuff. Yeah. So any like person who's a proper. I mean, so okay, I'm like, gonna sh- I'm gonna shout somebody out though. Um, Gordon Walker, he does the fascinated by fungi uh, Instagram. He was at the tables quite a bit. Now, I mean, he wasn't there more than anybody else, but he was at the tables and he was trying to clarify understanding about certain genera and certain particular species. Um, but I agree with you overall. Yeah. Overall, like the guy here, I'm going to pull this guy up. Well, I'm not saying it's bad to be on Instagram. I'm just saying. Yeah. That's not where those, it's Those aren't real for, mycologists. Right. I'm sorry. If you spend yeah. more time posting on Instagram than looking through a microscope or doing like, right. real dis- you're not a real mycologist. I'm sorry. Yeah. All right. Let me see if I can pull. So you like up like here. the chefs, you know, like the celebrity chefs that used to like, you know, that that big phase of like celebrity chefs. Like right. real chefs don't consider those people chefs. Right. <laughs> I hear you. All right. So this guy, John uh, Plischke. So let me go back over here. So he um, most observations at NAMA this year, most species. Um, and quite honestly, the the number two slot wasn't even close. And this guy, you could have gone there at two in the morning, and he was the guy still there. So he not only was foraging and finding, but he was just living in that gym. He was absolutely obsessed. Was he benching and doing curls? <laughs> No, there was a gym adjacent there, so he could have gone to do that. But no, that would have interrupted his, uh, that would have gotten in the way. But yeah, he, uh, yeah, a lot of people, he did a lot of good work for, for the foray, for sure. But you're right. Yeah, there's uh, some, but that's fine. Some people like to go out and get them. And then some people like to be at the tables. Um, one day, I would love to be at the tables. I don't know shit yet, so I'm not going to be at the tables anytime soon. Um, 
but yeah, there there was definitely a, a crew that were the identifiers. People yeah, who it's were a really deep learning curve. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like me not being in America for twenty years, I would be probably pretty useless at an ID table. Because right, I just, just wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. know the new genera names. Right. Like and the, I mean, Nama's careful too. You know, the, the crew that they used at the Appalachian Nama is going to probably be slightly different than the crew they use in Washington next year, be, because they really want all the the real. And they sort of went by right. It's just like you said. You know, your buddy said you could get to to the genus, so you would get to genus. They would have the easy to identify mushrooms, and then the there was a table specifically for yeah. like Alan Bassett and you know some of these other guys who who really know the area super well. Yeah, that's and that's where cool you to it. see. You, yeah, but if you don't have an interest in the the new the newly sanctioned uh, genus of boletes, you could just call it a bolete. Yeah, you know. And yeah, I mean, the the what is it? The bisporous bicolor. Right. Um, I actually uh, talked to Alan uh, about a couple of my boletes in my yard and he made I forget exactly what he said, but he made some comment about I, I said something like, oh, the bolete, that's not a bolete. And he just kind of laughed like, yeah, well, like it's it's a bolete. Yeah, well, the whole genus, like agaric, everything used to be an agaricus that had gills right. and boletes were the ones that had pores. Right. And even polypores were, were like that was a long time ago though. This is again get back to like how do you get famous? Uh you publish a new name and you sure. put your name after it. So there's a there's an inherent drive, especially among um the academics and stuff, to like publish new species and new genera. Right. Or revive old names. So this is again something that's unfortunate. You're like you if you wanna be famous, you find something new. And right. an easy way to do that is to shift something that was in an, like you said, these mushrooms have been there for hundreds of probably thousands of years. Um, they had a name, but now that name's not the same, but that doesn't mean like they didn't exist before. Right. It's yeah. a lot of people can have that idea that like every time they find something new, just because you find something new doesn't mean it's like a brand new species. You just need to. I'm inclined. I, like I said earlier, I don't believe, I mean, even the term new species seems like a weird term for me because it's been there. We yes. just didn't find it yet. Now, and to his credit, uh, Will uh, William Padilla Brown made this comment in one of his uh, presentations. He said like this whole, like calling something an undescribed species or a new species. He's like, you know, let's just say we just don't know what we got yet. Like he made some comment like that, and I was like, "That yeah, is, yes, yeah, we just don't know what we got yet." I I'm, I find it really hard to believe that, considering the history of mycology in Eastern North America for the last several hundred years, that you go out on your fifth foray and all of a sudden in the right. local park you found a new species. Right, like that is like astronomically like, um, you know, now, very so, very unlikely. Yeah, it's like, unlikely because you don't. I know don't what assume. It is. Yeah. Right. A lot of people do, though. I I very frequently sure because for the reason you like, just said, which is they're hoping they just find something brand new. They they want who yeah. they that's what they want. I'm inclined to go. I just want to know what it is. Like I yeah. I got a um, amanita from my front yard. I thought it was uh, muscaria, uh, the Alba variant. 
got it sequenced and it was not a hundred percent match to that. And they had three sequences. And if I'm not mistaken, they were from pretty reputable sources, um, linked to papers. Um, but it matched with about 10 other, uh, sequences from Indiana and a few others from, I think, um, Pennsylvania, Georgia. I can't remember where the other state was, but it was the first one from Ohio. And, um, my thought was just, we just don't know what that is yet. It's not a brand new mushroom. We just, we got to link it to what it actually is now. And that particularly, that work is I, what Mandy was talking about, the back end work, which is linking sequences accurately to actually what, what it is. That's a lot of work. And that's so much work. And the problem is, and this is, just my opinion. This is the problem of like, how do you get people to do that work? Who actually, you know, like how do you get Alan to sit down and go, I'll help you link all those beliefs. He doesn't, you got have, it. We he doesn't have the time. Thousands yeah. of those yeah, people. And, exactly. And this is a dying field. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, here's my problem with that statement though. The it's a dying field, which it, I see. I hear what you're saying. You're right. No, wait, wait. What's a dying field? Wait, wait, wait. Before you go off, mycology. What's a dying... Okay. So like no, no, identifying no. mushrooms. No, we're ta- you were talking about the back. End. No. Yes. Okay. The back end. I the thought identifying... I was. I the thought identifi- I was referencing what you were talking about. The identifying of so I was yeah. as a field identification of mushrooms is a right. dying art yes. because people aren't willing to put in the time. Correct. That a is of, a dying. Art. Like you were saying, a lot of people. Want to run the numbers? Want you know math? Yeah, mathematicians want to become mycologists now. I I I'm with yeah. you on that. So here's my problem though: is we got two things happening: the dying art and science of mycology, field mycology, taxonomic identification of mushrooms that we're finding, but then simultaneously there's this growing interest in mycology for its medicinal mining for medicinal value and you know, bioremediation and all the stuff we're listening to Paul Stamets say. So you got these two things, like at some point in time, aren't those going to have to reconcile? I mean, that paper that we were uh, talking about way back in the day on the show, um, the plant science paper, where they're like, look, man, if you guys are going to start talking about this stuff as medicine, you got to make sure, you're really going to have to make sure that you identify the mushrooms you're talking about. And to do that, you need a real mycologist. So that's uh, yeah. what you can do. We don't really need to call them mycologists, I don't know, but you can just say you need somebody to identify mushrooms. Correctly, and most people yes. are not willing to sit down for three hours with a single mushroom and look at the basidia size and the spore size, and right. do the color, do the like chemical reagent tests. Yep. they're not they're not willing to do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. To be honest, it's pretty boring. I don't like doing it either, but if right. you're gonna if you're gonna study that, somebody has to do it. I hate to say it, but somebody's got to do it. We have ten thousand names with ten thousand sequences. That really doesn't get us any further. Yeah, you like, you made that you, point with me a long time ago, and I agree, and I still agree, and it's absolutely true. It would be great to know what you want to do with all these sequences. Now, I will say this though. Um, the Matheny guy from Tennessee, he frequently referenced 
his ability and his grad student's ability to use GenBank for research purposes and that there there was I mean, he, he didn't go into whether he had to mine through 50 bad sequences to find a good one, but he he did seem to make the point that he he and his grad students were using GenBank for their research. It was helping them. Yes, I used it 20 yeah. years ago to do my research. Yeah, I, I, so. I'm not... It's see, not think, useless. Like, you're, you're maybe... No, no. See, you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. You're not. I'm not saying sequences and names and GenBank are useless. I have sequences under my own name in GenBank. It is good for research. But I, what I'm saying again, I don't know how how many different ways I can say this. If it's a thousand names and a thousand sequences, if the names are not right, so right. Matheny and his his students, they would know who the appropriate authors were for the appropriate names. Now, yeah. if I don't know anything, if I go out my yard and I pick 100 mushrooms and I give them 100 names and I don't know anything about that mushroom group and I put them on GenBank and somebody else goes and uses those names, my names, and they're not correct, that doesn't get us anywhere. Right. So with, somebody I, like yeah. Matheny and his students, they would know the appropriate authors. Right. So they're going to know if they're studying Lactarius that this author who submitted this sequence knows about Lactarius. Right. So I, I, I'm not saying that Gen, I don't think you, if you're if you think I think GenBank is useless, that's not at all what I'm saying. Okay. Like half of the I hope that's not what you think I'm saying. Otherwise, nope. I'm being horribly nope. misinterpreted. No, nope. this is just another one of those moments when we're arguing for no reason, which I do with my okay. wife all the time. I get it. Oh, because like 50% of the sequences in my thesis were, were or my dissertation were from GenBank. So I, I don't yep. know. Maybe it's the way I say it or the way you say it. I'm I not think saying it's probably GenBank a little bit of both. Yep. Sequences are useless. That, that's right. not. No, that's I, not, I saying, know that's not what you're saying. That's not what I was suggesting you were saying okay. anyway um uh i want to pull this comment up here because it, it's worth noting i can tell you what by sunday uh morning the last time i walked into that gym um <laughs> man and there were a lot of bolites in there i don't if you guys have smelled rotting bolites um the fungal gnats love them and uh boy do they get rank um, that, that gym, I mean, I love the, I love, you know, some umami, I love some earthy mushroom smell, but it, towards the end of the weekend, it was getting a little, little dicey in there. <laughs> then maybe somebody had some in their backpack and a, they threw it in the corner. Yeah. A lot of, it. a lot of mushrooms. Now they had the air conditioning in that room just cranked. It was practically a refrigerator in there, but even so. Still, yeah. still was a special. All the little spore prints all over the table. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of mushrooms. I, I think, uh, I think you've made this point a couple times, and uh, to go back to that question earlier of like, where do you start? You got just like, do you got a favorite mushroom? Start with that one. Look at a book. Do you like a mushroom? Start learning. Like, just what do you got? If you got to be taught how to like. Ed was saying, if you're actually interested in the stuff, you'll just start pursuing the things you're interested in. You'll, you know, want to learn, but it's okay if you don't. It's totally fine. I'm not like, I would love to be able to use GenBank and Blast and Mega 11 and all that stuff, but 
I definitely don't want to make that my life's work. That's I'm not that interested in that stuff. So you just got to follow what you're interested in. Yeah, well, that I'll make I'll make a, a admission here. I I like to talk about Cubensis. It's not because I like Cubensis so much. I'm trying to get people interested in mycology. Right. Cubensis is like the tip of the tip of the tip. That's like a snowflake on the iceberg. Yeah. Anybody can learn how it's to a brown grow mushroom. Anybody can learn how to grow Cubensis. Mm-hmm. Anybody can be taught how to Cubensis. My goal in life, I don't really care to teach you how to like grow cubensis you can figure that out yourself any right. <laughs> you know any guy off the street yeah. i can pick some dude out here off the street who's like got a seventh grade education bring them in here for two hours and they'll probably be able to grow cubensis my ulterior motive is to get you interested in more mushrooms right. because mushrooms are so much and fungi are so much more important than just getting high right and then yes. a lot of people, they unfortunately, they never get past that because, again, there's this tribalism. And then all of a sudden they get sucked into this like, you know, you're, you're some kind of like, well, you're a cube person. Or even, dude, like we've talked about the pan people, like the pan people, they act like they're some kind of goddamn elitist. Like the cube people are down here. Like the pan people are like they're in Beverly Hills and we're all down on fucking like, you know, Skid Row somewhere uh, down there. We got there. a meme. We got yeah, the, the, I the guarantee meme. Dude, I, I, straight away when I start talking to people about pans, I'm like, all right, don't get triggered here. They're going to say something derogatory about, like, the cube people, like we're some kind of fucking caveman Neanderthals. Like, oh, no, I grow pans. Fucking G- I did that when I was four. I grow cube when I... I did that when I got out of diapers <laughs> right. with my mom. Don't you, Uncle Ben's tech? Yeah, I did that with my mom when I was four. And all of a sudden, like, I'm a pan grower or I'm an exotic grower. Right. And it's like, wow... Y'all are like <laughs> grasping at stuff to be proud about. Like, should you maybe prouder about like I don't know other things in life? Not just uh, <laughs> my buddy Juco excessive. just said pansexual redefined. There you go. I, was like, I don't know. I probably just pissed off like ten Ag- more people. Again, but it's like growing pans does not make <laughs> you better than the rest of the cultivators out there. I'm sorry because you like to play with shit doesn't make you better. Right. But see, this is what I I think this is what I love about this community is I think particularly because it is still underground, people like really show their true colors because it's not quite as visible. I I mean, I'm I'm just kind of spitballing here, but I love watching at first it bothered me. Now I'm just fascinated by all the characters and all the behavior, it's just fascinating to me, all the goofy things we do in this community. But yeah, tribalism is definitely, like, so I'm, I'm a pretty serious mountain biker. There are not the same tribes. It's not at the same level. There's definitely, you know, oh, you cross-country mountain bike. Okay, that's cool. But I downhill mountain. There's a little bit of that. Or, oh, you use an e-bike. Well, you, then you're really not biking. So there's little bits of that. I can tell you for a fact, though, it's not at the same intensity. The tribalism in our community is, for some reason, it is very strong. And it's like just every opportunity to delineate. (laughs) Yeah, yes. People look for reasons to separate. They're looking for it. Looking for a reason to separate. And I can't figure out 
what that is. My working theory is that there's like a type of person that tends to be attracted to psychedelics, altered consciousness. It's people who are smart, who are thinking about a lot of things, uh, probably ADHDers, um, but a lot of good, a lot of high IQs, a lot of bright people, whether they got PhDers or not. I do think there is a type of person that's attracted to these kind of recreational drugs, medicine, sacred medicine, whatever you want to call them. And so I think already maybe the baseline ego status is pretty high in this community. So then they come in and now it's like, it's like when I went to my first real class at U of M and I was like, oh, I'm not the only smart kid in this class. Like, oh, other kids are also very smart. And yeah. so then you got to, you want to answer the question first and you're going to, you're going to make sure everybody knows you're the smartest, right? That I, I feel like that might be the dynamic that's going, going on in here. Well, yeah, they're all, they're the people that have probably been the social outcasts. So they're already on the fringes and then they, you add intelligence yeah. to it. So they differentiate yep. themselves by that. And then they probably have different tastes in music and things like right. music is another one, you know, like I won't, when people ask me like what music I like, I just don't answer anymore because I know immediately <laughs> they want to pigeonhole me. Be mm -hmm. like, oh, you're a metalhead. Oh, you listen to rap. Oh, you listen to pop music. Oh, you listen to... And it's like, after that, their entire perception of me and everything I say depends on my answer to mm -hmm. what type of music. Well, but Ed, you already know the right answer to what kind of music you listen to in this community is Tool, right? You just say you listen to Tool, and then they'll instantly like you. <laughs> no. no, I don't try, I try not to answer that. Yeah. Um, that's, I, uh, it's confused me. I got attacked yeah. yesterday by like a guy on YouTube who was saying that I wasn't passionate about mycology. <laughs> and I'm like, who the hell is this motherfucker? I'm like, he literally, I laughed when I read it. I thought it was a joke. He was some guy who found my, he said he found one of my videos. I was talking about what monocarions look like on plates and then my diamond crosses. And he was like, you clearly don't care and you're apathetic and all this right. shit. I was like, who, this guy clearly doesn't know me. I thought it was like a joke at first. And like, he's like, you, you should stop making videos. You seem very apathetic and all this shit. I'm wow. like, who the fuck? Is this? Well, dude, that it was, was like a joke. I was like, laugh. I thought it was a joke at first. I'm like, does this dude know who I am? I'm apathetic. <laughs> That's so ridiculous. He's like, I know why you don't have any subscribers because you're apathetic. <laughs> you don't have any subscribers? Don't you have like 3,000 subscribers? Or, yeah, but, well, that's the ironic thing. I looked at his and he had like 115 subscribers. This dude has something up his ass. I don't know what his deal was, but he was he was clearly... Then I looked, he, he had some... I don't want to say, but he had some stuff on his YouTube page that was about how many times he had been kicked off and how he was being like restricted his freedom right. of speech and that those types of guys, you know? And I was like, all right. I thought this was uh, somebody that actually knew me. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the thing. I, wouldn't there. it be cool if on the internet you had to raise your hand? <laughs> like in school? Like, and that just blurred everything out? I feel like, imagine a classroom that worked like the internet. Where you just blurted whatever out you wanted to say. Uh, and if somebody said something you didn't like, you just thumbs down them or you make a puke face. Like we have just really made old our, our social interactions just so limited. Like you just respond with a happy face or a frowny face or a puke face or a, like those are your options. 
or an angry what face. They, <laughs> yeah, what, what I've noticed is what's great is like I've made two or three videos where I was like, I shouldn't make those videos because it makes me look vulnerable. And then I, I had the best and most responses from those videos. People out there that actually care and understand, like I'm like, you know, my tent's messing up. Like, what do I do to fix it? And I had right, so yeah. many responses yesterday. I'm like, my my pins have just died while they were like this big and they just died. Yeah. I got like the most information in like a single video that I've, I would have taken me weeks to sort through all the different forums. And I immediately I was like, wow, there's like four potential, uh, oh, yeah. four, four potential solutions right there. Like yeah. things that I didn't even think about because you can't think about everything all the time. Right. And that's, what's great. We, we should try to help each other, but this kind of like, again, people fighting against each I know. other. I, I don't, know. I wish we'd get over this. Right. Like it's like the bag people versus the tub people versus the tent people versus the and like the Uncle Ben's people. And right. why is there this animosity? Is that that's just the way people are, I guess. Dude, day one, all I've been about is showing all the ways, all the things. I mean, I am on your side 100 percent. I want everyone to just do it the way they want to do it. I mean, I'm I'm assuming they want results, but you really can get the results in several different ways. Yeah. But people, it's like with sports teams, man. Do you ever hear these people yeah. talk about their sports team? Every I day. Mean, do where I oh, sometimes they talk like I, my, my, my favorite joke is like, you're good. They should hire you to be the coach. <laughs> and they just look at me and I'm like, yeah. Cause you're talking like your opinion means fucking anything. Who did you even play that sport when you were in high school? Oh, you did for one year. Oh, cool. Oh, Tell I me more see. about your sports strategy for that team. Yeah. But that's oh, what people do. Every night, the soccer game is the little place I sit over, and <laughs> uh, there's a lot of British people, and they come in, and like yep. one of you can guarantee the first of three questions is, "Where are you from? What football team do you support?" Right. Like this is very important to them. Very it's like important. Critical importance. If you say the wrong answer, they will yeah. like either they'll treat you a very different way. Dude, like, I'm wow. telling you. So our our neighborhood, every what is it? Uh, it's like I think two days before Thanksgiving. Usually, we do this little uh, lawnmower race around the neighborhood. So everybody brings their little tractor, their little you know lawnmowers like out, motor. and they ride the lawnmowers around. <laughs> And it's it's not a race. It's um, you're trying to do two runs and have your first and second run be as consistent oh, as possible. So, and some guys show up and they have these like vintage lawnmowers, like these old Cub Cadets that they've restored. Other people have the like headers on it. Like some people go all out. Anyway, I showed up one year with a tr the first year we moved here. I showed up with a trailer that was my dad's. And it had a Michigan plate on it. I'm in Ohio. And uh, I say to the guy who's orchestrating it for that year, um, he makes a comment, Michigan? Why you got a Michigan plate on there? And I go, well, I'm from there. <laughs> and then he made some comment about U of M. And I said, oh, well, then I'll be sure not to tell you that that's where I went to college. <clears throat> he literally stopped talking to me that instant. And made a point of 
trying to make like some disparaging comments at the end, like, and that guy, he's never going to win. He, he went to U of M and then he, he goes, boo. And he gets all the people to boo me. And I'm just like, did I wanted to be like, did even any of you fucking losers actually go to OSU? Like, <laughs> do you even have any? Did you play football for OSU? Did oh, you see, play? I'm any, so like, clueless. I don't even. Know oh, there's the a big is. Michigan uh, U of M OSU rivalry, yeah. but of course at U of M there's also a Michigan Michigan State rivalry. Yeah. But anyway, I was just like, and I watched sports when I played them, but then I grew up and like I don't I played video games when I was a little kid I don't play video games now if you do that's fine I just don't but I also don't like if I find out that you're an adult and you play video games I don't go oh you play video games like who are these fucking people like do you not feel good about yourself as a human being that this is your whole strategy to feel good about yourself is just mindlessly hating something that's not you but that's how fucking people work yeah, people do that shit saying. when that gets transferred over to mushrooms i'm just totally blown away oh you like people... you like growing in tubs yeah oh they are you dumb yeah don't talk to me oh you're monotub like neanderthal don't talk to me yeah. oh, I've... <laughs> I, I can't believe I you grow in tubs oh you so use true. liquid culture oh you don't germinate from spore every time bro who fucking cares? You got that much free time to give a fuck what I do? You don't even you know, know me, man. <laughs> you know, the people who make those kind of distinctions, I feel sorry for them and their pathetic life. Usually yeah. I'm like, wow, this is the only thing you have to grasp onto yeah. for your identity is yeah. like the football team yes. you like. That yeah. is like your identity. And it's yeah. like, wow, you lead a pretty sad yeah. life. Dude, uh, Baron just said... This is why I watch this podcast. I've been growing 30 years. Maybe I learned something, but mainly entertainment. Yeah, exactly. I can grow. I'm, I'm growing mushrooms just fine. But if I talk to somebody, I might pick something up that's worth trying. And I've tried a bunch of stuff. It's all good. You it's just nailed it. This is, this is something we love. We get to talk about it. We get to see how other people do it. Like, oh, I can juggle. Cool. How do you do it? Oh, you do it like that? Oh, cool. Right? Like, it doesn't have to be a, ah. you juggle with four balls. Have you tried five? Oh, no, you won't do five. I won't talk to you. Like, this is what we do in this community. What the fuck? Yeah, it's maybe ridiculous. it's every hobby. Every hobby's like that. You know, you it's like no, no, no. Simple. I'm telling you, it's not that way in mountain biking. Like, for example, around here, pivots are a real popular bike. Everybody rides a pivot because they have some good – the geometry for the trails around here are good. It is probably one of the better brand bikes you can buy. And there might be a little bit of, like, if you ride a pivot, then you're in the cool kids club. If you don't, like, oh, cool, you bought a truck? Hmm. I tried a truck. Yeah, it, it didn't work for me. You should really try a pivot. But it, it, they'll still ride with you. <laughs> Right? They'll like still actually ride their bike with you. They'll maybe give you a little dig or you know let their opinion be known. But it's not like here. It's not like, oh, you grow in tubs. Oh, like, I mean, all this stuff, it's so, I don't even, I'm not in my server. All my people are cool. But Russell. everywhere else. 
got to remember too though that like sometimes we interact like the, with the loudest people so True. i think that that's what's interesting about some of the posts i've made of the videos like i hear from people that normally would sit in the background like uh whoever just said big been going 30 years they're not going to comment on a facebook post probably right i award country <laughs> just said yeah I only grow from Mon Mon pairings. Dude, you're not attacking Ed, are you? Because these days, that's... uh. <laughs> no, Ed's here's from... the thing. People think that I'm some kind of Mon Mon like, champion. I am not. They're like, well, I... Pete, when... This is... Dude, you trick... Okay, to be honest, you trigger me when you said, this is what you told me. Because normally when people say that, they say, well, Ed, I know you don't like Ghetto Crossing. And I'm like, when the fuck did I right. say that? Right. When did I ever nah, man, say that? You know I never throw said that. You under the bus, no, dude. but, That's no, not but my when style. you say things like, "Well, you told me this book was good," I'm like, "Oh shit! What did I tell him?" <laughs> no, 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 no. Not what did I tell him? I'm like, "What does he think I told him?" Right. So that's what people often they hear. Well, you what did tell the, me that was a good yes, book, I, I and did. I did buy it, and I I, I, I like that book. But yes. no, you see, it tri- like, I know, for, it's like I know. for like two minutes. I was like, "Oh my god, what the fuck book is he?" I could play? tell. I could tell. Because That's why when, I pulled when it I up. get paraphrased, <laughs> like people often like quote right. people wrong. And then right. it, it the whole thing, you leave out a few words here and there and it becomes, oh, Ed did a Mon Mon cross. Mm-hmm. So now he hates ghetto. Again, it's back to the tribalism shit. Right. It's like just because I accidentally got a mono carry on and I chose to yeah. get another one. I love I have nothing against ghetto. By the way, right. ghetto crosses are Mon Mon crosses. I've tried to make right. this. This right. is another thing. If you don't understand this, a Mon Mon has cross to be. Bl- it's all Mon Mon crosses. If it's a successful cross, I mean, well, even yes. if it's not, it's a Mon. I mean, it's it all does. that. But yeah, I I know. If where you're any, going. I'm sorry, but yeah. people have probably but watched Ed, those look, Japanese look at, videos. Hey guys, look what Ed sent me. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, we got CKB oh, X B minus. That's a dicarion with a mono. Oh, yeah. What I else do we got here? Those things go through the mail so well. We got CKBX. What is AMK? Uh, oh, AMKR? AMAC Revert, which is AMAC Revert. one of okay. Dave's creations. Nice. AMAC Revert. I can't remember. All right. What else do we got? Check it out here. I'm going to That was to... a random. All my Mon Mon crosses and diamonds, they're random stuff. They're just random stuff. Let's they're see not what else like we got. Planned. I have no plan. You don't like this. you don't like work backwards from the ultimate yeah. name of all time. Okay. No, don't. I know. <laughs> no, yeah, you don't, come, dude. Come up with some. I haven't even named like one or two things. All right, guys. Friend... If you liked the CKBXB minus, you should try the CKBXB two. The fuck is B two, dude? Or B minus two? Is oh, it just B, a uh, different? That's the second isolate. Uh, so I have ah. two B minuses or B negatives. Okay, I try uh, I not to. Be. And then uh, this is the one I'm real excited about, dude. I'm not giving all of these swabs away. ODPE XNSS. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that one needs a lot of work. All these are like F1 spores. Yeah, I haven't had a I chance know. to do anything well, yeah, with Because you're just relentlessly crossing <sighs> the world, I know. Dude, I'm so what far else do we behind. got? So far behind. All right, I, if I remember correctly, the fruits on this one actually look pretty cool. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was a nice one, too. Yep, Nanex BHT. What, what is that? Banhua uh, Tanone. Yeah, I can't even say that. Yeah. And then last but not I least, Chocotat X Nat. That's yeah, a banger right there, dude. Yeah. All right, guys. Somebody call that Choco Nat. 
Look at that. That's some Ed Bling right there. Straight from the mean streets of Bangkok, Thailand. Yeah, a little bit hand, outside of town. Hand delivered to the post office on the back of his stereotypical <laughs> Bangkok, yeah. Thailand motorcycle. Oh, I almost die every time. He had three women office. hanging off the back of it. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> It's like old ladies and little kids around oh. here. Oh, I, I, don't, I don't live. All that shit you see on YouTube I about know, Bangkok doesn't apply yeah. to me. Yeah. I live like 20 clicks outside of town. And like you a, just got nothing but rice patties and. Not quite that. But what? Cockfighting, right? Didn't you say there like, was like a bunch well, of Well, my neighbors do have cocks. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they do. But that you that's not uncommon. Once you get to Southeast Asia, you see chickens in the city all over it's like yeah. doesn't la have peacocks and stuff roaming around like do th i i was only there 16 years but i i think the only place i saw a peacock was a zoo but they uh, were roaming around the zoo some I somebody, they were free range in the zoo. california they were the ghetto birds are, ah, ah. i don't know i don't know there are Hold ghetto on. birds but that's what we call the helicopters yeah we call the helicopters ghetto there's birds. an ice cube song where it's called the ghetto bird i think but there's, there's yeah, a, man. So when I moved here, so back. we we lived literally in Silver Lake, which is like the um, like a little hippie mecca there. Um, like uh, anyway, it, it, it's like a few minutes uh, north of Dodger Stadium, and so helicopters all the time. If you guys look up the um. The LAPD's got like the largest fleet of helicopters of any police force in in the country, maybe the world. Um, you 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 can drive by it, and they have like thirteen freaking helicopters. Um, they're in the air a lot, and they're chasing a lot of people around, not oh. just OJ. Don't they like always have one in the air? Oh, they always have multiple. I mean, they're they're all mostly in the air because you got the whole San Fernando Valley. Then you got, you know, L.A. proper. Oh, yeah, they're everywhere because they want to catch people. That's what they do. Oh, you know, they just like to catch people. I saw a video a couple weeks. For, it was like a three-hour police chase. Well, the guy had – he was sitting in some beat-up Isuzu truck, like, <laughs> huffing nitrous. Is that like the thing had, now? Is, did he, did he that had, make a big comeback or something? It I was feel like. somewhere out in California. The car, the, they, it was a slow news day, and it was just like some like guy by himself. Every like wow. five minutes, he'd like reach over, and he had a big tank, and he'd just be like, you know, like uh, Dennis <laughs> Hopper in that like Blue Velvet movie, like, yeah. like, don't you fucking look at me! <laughs> like that kind of thing. He was just, yeah. And oh this went God. on for like three hours. And the, the 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 news announcer, whatever the police announcer was, like, well, he's still. And they went into like detail about the effects oh of God. nitrous and like, well, it makes you feel kind of dizzy. And this, it's just like for three hours. It was yeah. the middle of the day. It hadn't hit rush hour. It was like two p.m. It's like they were just waiting for that rush hour, like traffic or crash. Wow, dude! Actually, doing whippets in L.A. traffic might be a good good move. <laughs> Cause that's kind of how, cause you be cruising down the highway doing like seventy, and then all of a sudden everyone stops. Your brakes, people get their brakes replaced in L.A. like annually. It the the braking is so extreme. I, I cannot even tell you how many close calls I had out there. It's it's crazy. 
maybe that guy thought he was in traffic. He was just like he ran into you know those like yeah. poles at the end of a dead end. He had like run into them and like had nowhere to go, and the cops had blocked him in. And they had like a yeah. whole SWAT team there, yeah. and the SWAT team they were just out back like like they would have been smoking cigarettes if they right. knew there wasn't a man. <laughs> they were just right. out there like, what are we gonna do? And this guy was like twenty feet away, like hopping nitrous. <laughs> It's like, right. can't you get him? It's right. one guy huffing nitrous no. at 2 p.m. There's like 20 SWAT guys. It's like, what are no. you waiting for? <laughs> now, so let me tell you this story. Uh, I think this was the very first year I moved out to L.A. I was living in an apartment on Sunset Boulevard. I was working in Hollywood. I was young. I was having a good time. I'm sitting out uh, in front of this girl's apartment. Her and I are just sitting on the curb talking, right? All of a sudden... One guy is just like barreling down the the sidewalk and jumps over my feet. And I jokingly like lift my feet up like to not really trip him, but like kind of joke about tripping him. And then another guy, a couple seconds later, comes barreling down the sidewalk behind me. And so it's L.A. So there is nothing as surprising in L.A. Like literally everything happens. You just nothing surprises you. So no big deal. Swear to God, one minute later, cop, 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 everywhere. All of a sudden, there's like 40, I'm not over-exaggerating, 40 cop cars everywhere in the vicinity. Long story short, those two guys had just robbed and then shot two people dead. And they had. I had all tried to jokingly trip the guy as he ran by me. <laughs> I end up having to be called in to do to do ID him in a lineup. So I'm, I'm waiting to ID this guy. And I just remember the clothes he had on. So I was just going off the clothes. Um, and then by, I'm waiting to do this. And then by the time it comes up, they already had like a total positive ID from somebody else in the store. So I didn't. Luckily, I didn't have to ID a murderer, which I was like, eh, maybe I don't want to do this. So, yeah, man, L.A. is crazy. But those the cops. They will come out of the woodwork. It, you can like look around and there's no cops, and then in a second there's just cops everywhere. They 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 got the cop thing down in Los Angeles for sure. And then get the ghetto birds out, and you can run, but you can't hide. Yeah, we watched. The, I still watch those old cop shows, you know. Yeah. Try and pick up some tips if I ever get in a situation. <laughs> like, don't hide under like the trailer, like. <laughs> No, this is so funny to me. It's like, dude, you, yeah. like when they said they were going to let go of the dog, you should have like surrendered. Yeah. Still lying, still lying. Baron, I used to go. I used to go watch movies in Englewood. They had a cheap movie theater down there. And uh, I'd always be the only white person down there watching movies. But um, yeah, Englewood's different now than I don't know back when you lived there. But yeah, it's uh, it's a whole different vibe there now. Um, someone else made a comment I wanted to pull up. Um, oh, Rodney was like, uh, driving on nitrous is probably not a good idea. Rodney, I don't know if you've ever been to L.A., but you don't do much actual driving in Los Angeles. You're just oh. sitting a lot. Anyway, yeah. Yes, I, Geeky is not endorsing doing whippets while driving your vehicle. Definitely don't do that. Uh, not even that whipped cream if you got something like, ah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. here they Man, just sell the whippets like they sell them in big boxes now. Wow. Like at the bakery shop, you just walk in there and buy like a box of ten for like three bucks, and they don't even blink. 
They're just like, yeah, there's the can. Like when you wow. buy the Whippet cartridges, they'll like point yeah. you to the canisters because <laughs> the canisters cost like 30 bucks. And they want you to buy the, 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 the big canister thing, you know? Like I just got a cracker and I just do, I don't really do them. I just got a cracker, whatever. But uh, yeah, they want you to buy the $30 thing and then they know you're going to come back for right. more Whippets. Yeah. And they don't care. It's a bakery shop, but they're like, yeah, whatever. We make money. Give a shit. <laughs> Wow. Do whatever. You're you're an eighteen year old kid, you're obviously not making like forty gallons of whipped cream. Right. Why are you Dude, buying so many whippets? That's you're like, not buying cream and you're not Do you ever think about how scandalous box. gas stations and convenience stores are in general? Oh, like no. all the shit that they sell there. Yeah. Oh well I used to buy like mini thins like yeah. pseudofedrin. That yeah. what was that butyl nitrate rush or whatever it was called? Oh that Something shit. Something like dude. that. Not rush. What was that shit called? Do you like huff it? Butyl nitrate, I think. Poppers they used to call Poppers. it. Poppers. Yeah. Yeah, amyl nitrate or amyl yeah. nitrite or butyl nitrite or trait. I can't remember. Yeah, man. It's like VHS cleaner. I think is oh. what they used to advertise it yeah. as. Yeah. I just saw a bottle of that at the yeah. stationery store yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Those are all weird, exotic. I'm not Ooh, into like, any like of Pope that Marie shit. When they were selling all those like, uh, shit, what do they call it now? The, the, the cannabinoids that they put on like some herb. There you go. A a it's amyl nitrate. Yeah. There you go. I think they spice. Yeah. That. People love spice over here. If you're on probation, oh, spice a, is the way to go. That's still a thing. Gosh. Yeah. I can't do it. That's like I said, you got to grow your own drugs. Dude, I got. Can't I, trust I, anything anymore. I, I made the mistake like a week ago of taking two hits. Up. So the, here's the, the this white dude from Norway owns a dispensary or his wife owns it, whatever. We were out at the place and like I took two hits off as like the roach end of a joint. And I was so blown out for like four hours. And I'd been drinking Coke all night and I had to get up and piss. And I had to walk through like 150 dudes that are like a foot taller than me. <laughs> it's like, it was like hell. This guy's got yeah. the thirty-five percent stuff. I'm like, what happened to good old Mexican brickweed? Like, why? Lao here they get it off of like Lao or Burma. It's like, whatever happened to brickweed, man? I just want some normal weed. Why y'all got to do these dabs and stuff? It's like, oh. Right. Does anybody smoke like normal weed anymore, dude? That's what, like well, that's what I have to tell people at work because I I take care of people that they get um uh, hyperemesis cannabinoid syndrome. So basically. This was a thing that didn't really exist back in the day because you had to break your shit up. You had to roll it up, right? Like you were dosed, right? Your joint, maybe even if you're hitting a big blunt or something like that. But compared to the concentrates now, right, it's, it wasn't that much. So what's happening is people are about th a third of the population is got a propensity to this. It's like linked to some gene and basically, you just start violently and aggressively, horribly vomiting. And it doesn't let up for days. Um, and they come in, they think they're dying, and we work them up, and everything's negative. Scans are negative, labs are negative. And then we go back in the room and we say, hey, let's talk about your marijuana use. What it's do you from mean? edibles or smoking stuff? It's from edibles. It's from 
you know, doing dabs. Some people just can't cut it. Now, the worst, the you know, if it's a young person doing it, we just say, hey, they, they tell them they got to stop doing it. Then the doc leaves and I say, you just, you're going to have to go back old school. You're going to have to actually smoke this shit like we used to do back in the day, son. You can't do it your fancy way anymore. I'm sorry, but this is how it is. And we have a couple uh, frequent flyers that they won't stop. So I swear to God, about once yeah. a week or once every two weeks, they're in. And then what happens is they're, they're, they have so much pain. <clears throat> At some point in time, people, uh, one of the physicians will prescribe them a narcotic pain medication. It escalates until finally um, they get the old Dilaudid. And once they get Dilaudid, now we've, we've, galvanize the cyclical mm. loop that they're in, which mm. is they go home, they do what they've always been doing, and then when they don't feel good, they come in and they get the old, the old D. So, yeah. It's, it's fun. It's fun. Yeah, that sounds like... I don't know if this is what's really happening here, but the people I know here who are from America, they're like this... The whole country... I don't know. Everybody I talk to... I don't want to get into it too much, but... The drug problem in the U.S., not our kinds of drugs, but it's like a big, big, big problem. I thought no, I just drove you. through West Virginia and I stopped off in Charleston, the capital. And uh, wow, if I lived there, I would probably do heroin and I would do a lot of drugs. It's depressing. This is the problem. There's a lot of depressing places in rural America. There's a lot of poverty. I think they say more than 60% of the population in America is working poor. And then everybody's surprised that people are doing drugs. Well, they're everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I just had a guy same the, the, um, they doing the Delta eight all the time. Same thing. Getting a uh, hyperemesis. In Kentucky, that's legal. I hear that once in a while. Oh, it's still strange to me that like weed is illegal in America. Like I'm so it's been like a year and a half here. Yeah. It's just it's like, strange so to me that place now. I got a friend in jail for life in Michigan. His last charge was uh his first two charges were for cocaine, but his last charge was for a large amount of marijuana distribution and he's now in prison for life. I can't imagine how mad I pro it probably if I was in in jail or prison right now for weed, I would be just about as mad as if I was falsely accused and convicted of a murder I didn't commit. Which, by the way, they're finding out that's maybe ten to twenty percent of people in in prison they think maybe didn't actually do the shit. Just cops want to always get somebody for it, so they just you know they got all sorts of tactics for that. But yeah, it's literally legal in states where there are also people currently doing time for it. Yeah, I don't quite understand. What the actual fuck is going on? I don't know, but I, sometimes they're I mean, it's usually Of course, if it's violent, sure. Yeah, but not, no. My buddy, nope. Nothing violent about what my dude Just cocaine and just weed? There was no The first other. two times, it was just, that was all he was ever charged for the first two times. The last time him and his brother selling a lot of weed. That's it. This is this is a while ago, but yeah. I mean, there are definitely a lot. I mean, you can read this book called um, "The New Jim Crow." It's all about 
a whole strategy to lock people up because build a prison, make money. Oh, I'm well familiar with that. Yeah, all that shit. Read books to see that. No, I just sort of mention it if if people are interested. But yeah. Anyway, we're we're in that phase of our our U.S. history where a lot of that stuff is going to start shaking out, and hopefully, we can get beyond all of it because. I don't know. The thing I keep telling people, I think I've said this before on here. um, There's nobody sitting around going, I can't wait until heroin is legal so I can give it a try. People do the drugs they want to do. Regardless of, of legality. So like, why are they all illegal? What what I'm confused by is I get comments from people that say like, "Don't you know this is illegal?" I'm like, "No fucking shit, I know it's illegal." What? They're like, I don't understand. There's, there's yeah, I don't, this, I don't, like, they I even, don't care. Yeah, they think it's like I'm doing something bad because this is illegal, and I'm like, I obviously don't give a fuck. I mean, but they could come bust my door down and throw sure. me in jail, but they're not gonna do that. But right. even the people who probably do it they still it's i hate to say but it goes back to this like judeo-christian guilt of like i'm guilty like i feel guilt i'm guilty of something and it's like i just don't understand it maybe i didn't grow up that way i mean look man if i in america if i ride on the left side of the road i can be arrested for reckless driving right but i can do the exact same thing in England Island. and it's we drive totally on the fine. Yeah, you guys do it. Okay. I didn't know what side <laughs> you guys drove on. I've yeah. never been there. But you know what I mean? Like there are some laws that are just obviously there for a reason, right? Like no one has to really make a case for why murder is illegal. No one's got to make a case for why rape is illegal. Nobody's got to make a case for why like violent, aggressive assault and battery is illegal. But there are plenty of laws that I don't necessarily agree with. A lot of people don't agree with them. I don't lose any sleep about it whatsoever. Some people do, because like you said, whatever, however they've been brainwashed in their lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the um, probably here, uh, they're going to probably, they've already put um, psilocybin in the research category. So it would be like the testing phases of the FDA. When right. they're in like I, I forgot all the names they use, but basically it's like a research. They're doing going to do research in it. So one of these days, I'm going to either get a knock on the on the door of the from the police or from the head of the medical community in Thailand and be like, right. "Hey, do you want to open up our new psilocybin research center?" Yep. And I'll be like, "Yep, yep, let's yep, do it." Yep. And then I'll be accepting applications. <laughs> Oh, you'll be top of the list. They'll be like, Ed, we know what you've been doing for years. We've just been waiting yeah, for it exactly. to be legal for us to pluck you. You can just look at my Facebook or my YouTube, and that's my resume there. Like, uh, Yeah. It is. I've, I, I Sometimes I got to think like, wow, yeah, I could probably go to prison for the rest of my life for this. But you know what? I could be dead tomorrow. So, again, right. sometimes it's a little bit funny that people are like, Oh, I ordered spores from you. Are they going <laughs> to... Like, nobody gives a shit about you ordering spores. <laughs> but yeah. I remember because I used to be that 18-year-old kid, like, oh, my right. God, like, 
my mom's gonna see this envelope i mean that's a different situation right. but if you're a grown man living by yourself like you don't need to worry about ordering spores from the right. internet oh some people still got that hardcore old school paranoia dude oh my god i can't tell you how many people yeah. and i'm dealing with it now um uh I'm having to make accommodations on the podcast for, you know, anonymity oh, the, and things like that. Yeah. That's, you know, that's just, uh, it's cool. Everybody's got a different risk tolerance. Everybody's mm. in a different situation. When I tell people, I say, hey, look, you know, if you're growing for yourself, you're not selling, you're not transporting over state lines, you're not growing in bulk, you're growing for yourself, you're good. I mean, if you have a prior felony, I don't know if I'm specifically giving you that same advice. You got to decide yeah. that for yourself. It is a different, I, I know how the That's, law is for felons. They don't like you and they're looking to put you back where you were. So, you know, what are you going to do? Everybody's different. Everybody's got a different situation. They got to, they got to decide for themselves. For me. If I got raided, I mean, <laughs> look at my fucking hat. Look, look at that. I can show them the podcast in a court of law. I mean, am I the guy they're trying to lock up? No. Did I kill anybody's kid? No. It's more like I'd like be to help people who have fucking problems. Like you gonna put me in jail for that? Go for it. Yeah, I was more worried. worried. Probably people probably worry about work and their family. Yeah, because that's who's going to judge them. I don't think anybody. Again, what I people say that to me. Even our friends down the road, they're both doctors. They're like, "Aren't you worried? Aren't you worried? What if somebody from the your hospital sees?" I'm like, "If somebody from my hospital is watching my podcast, they're probably going to go, no shit, and then want to be my best friend." Yeah, I'm not worrying about it. Yeah, could be. Of course, there's always like the haters, the assholes out there. That's what yeah. you, you got to be. I mean, I hate to say our, our the people we run with, let's just say, you know, people we've dealt with or whatever. And it's like it doesn't it does breed a certain level of paranoia. It does. Yeah. So sure. when somebody writes a comment on a video or something, you're like, wow, is this person going to take it to that next level? Like if I delete their comment, are they going to post it somewhere else? Are they I mean, you know, these some of the people yeah. out here, they're, they're kind of I hate to say there's some nut jobs out there, man. Oh, yeah. They will, like, they get obsessed. They're like the stalker kind of thing. Like, he didn't reply to my comment or he deleted my comment. And then you're just thinking, like, wow, is this the dude I'm gonna, I need to look over my shoulder for? Yeah. There's people out there like that. I know I, them personally. I already got a couple of them. I know. <laughs> I know. But you know what? I don't worry about it. Yeah. Show up. Let's see. Let's see how it all pans out, motherfucker. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to, I don't live my life afraid of shit. I don't live my life, but this could happen, but that could happen. I don't fucking do any of that stuff. Yeah, I, I could be dead. I could be dead tomorrow. Oh, really? You go to watch movies in Inglewood? Aren't you afraid? No. Why the fuck should I be afraid? <laughs> what? Like, like, I, I don't really, my, my friends from California, he's always talking about Inglewood, like, I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, there are places in South Central that you don't want to be at in the late hours, for sure. No. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, Hillbilly Herb just put it exactly right. Don't feed the trolls. Yep. Everything you fight, you make stronger. I just yeah, ignore these fucking exactly. people. 
Let's ignore them all. Dude, you should have seen the shit I got when I first started doing this podcast. I got emails. You're a fed. You're a fed. You're a fed. I got emails. Um, I mean, threats. You can't do this. Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I just, I'm just like, I wish I gave a fuck what you thought. Those are, again, the people you kind of feel sorry for them. It's like, wow, if you're that level of paranoia and the, like, can speak, I don't know. Some people think they're out, there's, like, people out to get them. I mean, there are crazy people in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's just, there's some people who are mentally unstable. They're, they're, they have pathologies of the mind that you can't. What are you going to do? Dude, I took care of a guy once. Uh, I used to work at uh, Harbor UCLA out in Los Angeles. I took care of, like, I took care of some of the people that you saw getting chased by the cops and shootouts and stuff like that. I mean, I took care of some some gangsters. I took care of people in near-lethal car crashes. A lot of people. A lot of gangbangers. And I'm going to tell you this right now. These gangbangers, they, uh, they get shot. They go to the OR. Some of the best trauma surgeons in the world worked at my hospital. Um, they saved their lives, and then I was taking care of them. And they would come too. And that first night, second night, you'd go in uh, to check on them, and they would be crying. I had one look at me, hold my hand. I'm talking about a fucking banger, gang banger. Shoots people, kills people, gangbanger. Crying, ask me if I can call his mommy for him. Like they, right? It's easy to go, shit's real in the field, son, blah, 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 blah. All the, you know, shit they do. They're young, scared people. They're in a horrible situation. They're just trying to survive, and this is what they think they got to do. And then they wake up, and they're like, holy fuck, this motherfucker tried to kill me. And when I get out of this hospital bed and go home, they're still going to be out there trying to kill me, and they're fucking scared to death. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... <laughs> yeah, Menace to Society was like the yeah. movie I saw at a pivotal age where I was like, God damn, like things are like way more fucked up than I think they are. You don't got a choice. Join them or get chewed up. Yep. What are you going to do? Start teaching them how to grow mushrooms. Nobody in America cares, right? It's uh, pro-life. Don't kill babies. But we don't give a fuck what happens to them once they're born. You hear any of these people adopting kids all the time? Not too many of them. There are a few of them out there that, that really, you know put their money where their mouth is but i i hate my to virtue say it, signaling dude, this is why i don't live in america i, I don't want to sound all i mean but bangkok america. thailand isn't perfect either but i understand what you're saying oh i'm not saying it yeah. is no no you don't understand what i'm saying see again you you assumed you know what i'm saying okay no, what are you saying I don't, I don't live in America because I don't turn on the TV and listen to this 24-7. Right. That three minutes you just told me is more than I've heard in the past two years <laughs> right. about living in America. Because when I meet Americans, we don't talk about it because they don't live in America. So we don't right. talk about it. And I choose not to watch the news. I had, right. I'm not saying I don't live in Bangkok for one. And I also don't think Bangkok is any better. But being that the local language is a language that I'm not very familiar with and I don't watch the local news, I don't have to deal with right. abortion rights in Bangkok. 
and I don't have to deal with abortion rights in America. So therefore, it's completely out. Like I have not thought about abortion for six months. I never thought about that as I never thought about that as a, a strategy of like, how do you turn the news off? Go to a country you don't speak the language and you never have to listen to any news. I love it. Oh, that that's exactly why people live outside the country. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah. No, if you yeah. if you start talking about that stuff with most people here, they'll be like, I don't give a fuck. And then you'll say again, like if it's somebody like a British person, we'll frequently meet an American. And because of the two countries, they want to talk about Trump. They want to talk about Biden. And you usually have to tell them three to four times, dude, I've lived here for 20 years. I do not care about American politics. And then you try to talk about football and distract it. And they'll still come back to politics. But those are travelers. If you meet a true expat that lives here, there's a reason why they live here. Right. And it's to avoid these conversations. Yeah. Like, I don't really give a shit about, like, American abortion rights. They do not affect me. I'm sorry if that makes me, like, apathetic. Mm-hmm. Well, you, like, you're you you're a survivor of the womb, Ed. You made it out of the womb. Yeah, that's a no point. At this I point. didn't ask to be born. Yes. Hey, dude, I just, I, I didn't do this before, <laughs> but I, I just want to do this, this real quick. Somebody said to me the other day. <laughs> Check it out, guys. That's the old Nama shirt right there. Frogs, is that like gl- frogs that with mushrooms on their back? Is that like a black light shirt? It looks kind of like I think. It, or let's something. see. Does it work with the black light? Oh yeah. Oh, it does. Oh, yeah. oh there, okay. There you I was go. just guessing from the color of see? the paint. Oh, cool. Oh yeah. It's kind of. Yeah, I'm hard an to alien, see. dude. I got UV vision. Like ooh, you could just like, tell. I'm like a butterfly. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm also gonna. I I was gonna do this in the beginning. Totally forgot. So um, check it out. So Printful, they used to have a six color maximum on um, threads. So my old gray hat that I always wear, the, um, where am I at? The the blue and the purple on that hat are actually just purple and purple. Any, oh, well, we lost focus there. Um, anyway, they just updated where they have for a little more couple more bucks you can get the regular so i got the new hats they look real nice these are still way more affordable than this one that i got one left i'm selling them for 75 bucks and you probably think i'm making a killing on them but they cost me just shy of 50 bucks to have made by uh this company called uh queensboro i think queensboro and then by the time they ship it to me and i ship it to you I'm making like seven bucks a hat at 75 bucks. That's why I really am not into these hats anymore. I'm trying to sell the printful hats. You know, this is still a nice hat. Um, I get it. This is a cooler hat, but you're paying literally almost three times the money. So that hat's cool. I also got this hat. I just did a, did a, 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 Black hat with with the little white logo. That's, you know, I've been told some people don't like the rainbow. The rainbow, you know, maybe stands for something they don't want to be associated with. To which I say, dude, if you're sitting around worrying about whether somebody thinks your hat is some sort of like gay thing and you actually are worried about that, worry about something else. I mean, worry about something else. (laughs) No, dude, I'm 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 telling you. I'm telling you, there are people no, it, who won't buy the hat for that reason. No, that's funny because I I sit with like lady boys and like drink 
they yeah. drink, I drink right. like every night. Again, right. something I don't think about. I see yeah. like lady. Yeah. They're not yeah, as ubiquitous as you think, but they're it's not a thing people worry about here. Right. Like, but yeah, you're, you're that's funny. All right, nerd nature. Gotta... Nerd nature just said Ed needs a Ed One K trucker hat. One hundred percent, dude. Yeah, I think he does. He probably won't make them. I might have to make them for him, and then I'll send him the money. See, it's the logistics thing here with the yeah. uh, producer and stuff. Like, unless you're making like a thousand of them, it's not the same. Like, you guys right. can, they'll do them like a one-off or whatever there, yeah. right? Like here in Asia, you'd have to order like five hundred of them or something like that. Check it out, guys. We got a, a, the new black and white geeky. Not everything's black and white, but that T-shirt is. Anyway, there's my little plug for some merch. I had a, a fan of the show. What the gay one? He, he's. Uh, I mean, dude, aren't I? I. Everybody likes the logo, but I guess a few people don't want to put it on a hat and wear it around at work. But whatever. I got a bunch of guys in my Discord who work construction jobs, and they they rock this hat. So. You know what? Nobody's giving anybody a hard time. I think that's probably, again, goes into the whole things people worry about that they probably don't need to worry about. But what are you going to do? But yeah, uh, one of my uh, viewers, he is a big shot graphic artist. And he said, hey, I, I you know, let, let me tweak your logo a little bit. He's like, I think I can get the, the embroidery to work out a little bit better. So he just played with the weights of some of the lines and it looks nice. It looks good. Um, I think that might be why this hat costs so much because they, they pay to make sure their embroidery looks good and all that kind of stuff. They, they pay some guy anyway. So yeah. Um, Ed hangs out with lady boys. Nobody cares. People don't want to buy my hats cause they're gay. I mean, right. This is Dude, just people, like two nights Ed, ago. I, I turned down getting my <laughs> dick sucked by, it's like a gay dude I was hanging out. He's like, you know, I really like sucking dick. I'm like, nah, not tonight. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Catch me next Friday, hey, maybe. See, Ed, you didn't you didn't realize you are the level of which you are obsessed with this stuff and the mushrooms. Other people have other hobbies. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's got a hobby. Well, this guy, he was, like, really proud about how well he sucked dick. Uh, I was like, clearly. I kind of want to know. Like, I'm curious now. <laughs> I mean, he led with a strong suit, I guess. It's what, only uh, gay if you suck. It. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I, oh, dude, I got stories I don't even uh, tell anymore. I mean, like, I Because sure. most Americans would, like, they'd be just, like, horrified. You hear stories sometimes here that you're just like, wow. Oh, wait, I was there. It's like, oh, yeah. Things happen here that I, you wouldn't tell to your American friends. I bet. One of those, I mean, like, Bangkok Vegas, is like, notorious what? for that, right? Like, Bangkok yeah. is the city that makes Vegas look like yeah, it's tame, tempting. right? Yeah. It's, like, way cheaper to do. Like, things that would cost 500 bucks in Vegas. You can do here for 50 <laughs> all right well so now we know why i'd moved more. to bangkok guys <laughs> no no it's kind of funny though because that's the assumption people meet like american i have a problem with like white women here as soon as they meet me they immediately are like oh you're the i'm a passport bro now have you heard this one what, uh -uh, what's that just i guess it just came out like last week i saw some instagram about it a passport bro these like dudes who are just basically fed up with American women and they're coming to Asia to like 
it's like the reverse mail order bride. Oh, but uh, dude, you went to U of M. That that shit was. Oh, that's uh, nothing new about mind. that. I'll, I'll let you look it up, dude. It's like a big thing, like now. Is it passport bros? Yes, just look it up, and it'll be you'll be inundated by like, uh, like angry Western women who are basically, it's mostly black dudes who are coming to Asia, and that's they're like basically fed up with American women. Oh, it says here it refers to a breed of man from U.S. and U.K. who roam countries in South America, Southeast Asia, Eastern Europe. In search of quote traditional women. Yeah, wow. that's pretty much it. And there's obviously a large group of women that aren't too happy about that. But they're going about it by attacking Asian women. They're like, Oh yeah, you just want a stupid, uneducated, poor, like Asian woman, kinda like assuming that all Asian women are stupid and ignorant I mean, aren't and like Asian don't... people like classically smarter than the average American uh, anyway, but according to these Anyway, making these videos, it's like, no, every man comes here to get a submissive, ignorant, uneducated uh, girl that doesn't speak English. They've obviously never dated an Asian girl. I know. This is what's so (laughs) it's. Yes. Okay. So, you know, anybody who says like Asian women are submissive, they're a fucking they've never, ever dated an Asian woman. Clearly. (laughs) I don't know where this stereotype comes from. Okay, I'm going to just pull a couple of these off. Thanks for the offer, though. <laughs> Not tonight. All right. No, that needs to be uh, that needs to be your new hat. The I hat think... needs to just say "Not tonight." Oh, well, can you I imagine think... going to the bar wearing a hat that just said "Not tonight"? <laughs> oh, well, some nights, you know, I'm still a pretty uh, decent looking guy. I got to beat him off. There's one uh, though that is actual lady. That was just a straight up gay dude. There's a couple of lady boys that have the full ensemble of sure, you know, surgeries and eh, yeah. Haven't gone there yet, but you know, maybe something. Well, over there you always have the option, Ed. It's <laughs> it's a readily available option for sure. <laughs> no, I fuck girls in the ass. What's the difference? <laughs> but it's, that's oh, that's the logic you use yourself <laughs> late at night in a desperate situation, Ed. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. One of uh, <laughs> they're very so, fine lines, you know. So, like... so the guy, um, the guy that's now in prison for life, he, uh, he's a short guy. He, <laughs> his, his street name was actually Baby Boy. Anyway, but he was a tough, tough dude. He was about as jacked as you could be and be a, a pretty small man. Anyway, I still I wrestled with him a couple times. He, he's tough. And uh, so one day I'm joking with him and I'm just like, so, uh, so Mark, like, you know, prison, man, he did, he did a two, two year stint. Then he did a three year stint and uh, he, um, so I just make the joke. I'm just like, yeah, man, like, you know, be honest. How long did it take? And, and he he got he got real he got real serious and I'm like oh fuck I was just making fun of this guy like I was just teasing it and I thought I was about to get a real ser- like a real sad story or something and uh, he goes <laughs> he goes nah bro he goes never never me never me I go all right but how long would you have had to be in before you changed your mind and he goes. Probably two more years. <laughs> anyway, anyway, well, he said, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, trust me." He goes, 
He goes, there were guys that, that went in straight and made some life changes. Yeah, well, when, you, when you're around people that have been to prison, you can immediately see that you have this camaraderie. And it's not just because they were in prison together. Because shit happens in there that you just don't talk about, but they know what happens in there. There you go. Dude, that Lat- some of the Latin guys I've, I've been around, they say, they've had openly admitted to having, it's the same here. Sure. Guys frequently have sex with other guys before women. It's like practice. Oh, like all boys school type yeah. stuff? Yeah. Yeah, it's not sure. a big deal. For some reason, again, Americans have this big deal yeah. about it. Like right. inner, like same sex sex or whatever same gender sex or whatever is is like pretty accepted in most countries yeah like it guys i just want to point out i just want to point out for the sake of the podcast that we went from serious phylogenetic heated phylogenetic taxonomic arguments to whatever the fuck we're at right now after the third hour i don't even know Usually it takes us four or five hours to get to this point. It 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 escalated or de-escalated or devolved very rapidly. It was late for you, and I gotta good. I gotta pee like a racehorse. Oh. kind of. Yeah, I just I just started wearing Depends for the show. I was it's thinking about I peed that three diaper. times. Yeah. My, my right. diaper tech. Is this guy the whatever my I don't know the diaper tech. I'm like, yeah, maybe yep. I should just do that, like wear diapers. Like I buy the incontinent pads already. You already it's, got them, Ed. Well, you, you buy you buy them. them at the store, you know, and it's like they're probably wondering. You know, I go to this pharmacy and I walk out with like four packaged incontinence pads, a bunch of hypodermic needles, and a right. bunch of swabs. They must be like, what is this guy doing? Like charcoal pills and just like random shit, like. <laughs> 10 ml syringes and they're probably just like what is this guy doing they don't care here they don't care if you're a foreigner here they just look at you like oh yeah some other weird foreign shit making frankenstein or doing meth or who cares he's buying stuff that's all they care about that's california man nobody gets a second look i can i mean unless you're attracted to him but like if you're weird no one cares Go to Venice Beach. People are trying to be weird. It it doesn't work. It does not work. Yeah. Yeah, I would just like to point out that um, I was around some other PhD mycologists this, this past weekend, and we were not having the same conversations. I can oh, assure yeah. you of that. They all keep that. The, no, that you, gotta, you should have talked to the Moss Girls. <laughs> I thought you said it was the Fern Girls. Oh, the Fern Girls. I think it started as the Moss Girls and and evolved in the Ferns. But it's originally the Moss Girls. Uh, I don't think there's many Fern Girls, although that is a common name. But it's the the Bryophyte Girls. What do they call? They call all them the (laughs) Cryptogams or whatever. They got like a bigger word for them. Pteridophytes are the Fern people. Pteridophytes. Yeah, yeah, it's the, it's the but I'm just only like I'm just impressed with myself that I know the study of mushrooms and fungi is called mycology. I do not know what the study of ferns is called. That's yeah, way too specific for me. Yeah, the bryology, phycology. There's all these like algae. You study yeah. algae. You call phycologists. All right, Rodney told me to get a catheter. Um, I will tell you this, Rodney. Oh, yeah. I was told a story about uh, one doctor I was friends with for for a brief period of time. Told me that his um, 
one of the surgical, uh, I don't know, procedures, bu- buddies uh, of his, some guy would literally insert a foley on long cases. Like he, because think about it, man. If you got to go pee, you got to uh, touch your junk when you pee. You got to you got to re scrub in. Uh, so you they get real good at holding it. <laughs> yeah, some of those surgeries like six, seven, eight hours surgery must be. Man, I remember seeing. So I saw quite a few yourself. surgical procedures <clears throat> during my OR rotation, but uh, I got to. I only one day did I get to see uh, open heart surgery. And so I watched the end of one cabbage and the beginning of another, and that's coronary. Uh, that's where they are actually replacing your coronary arteries with, you know, other other veins and arteries they're getting from other places. And uh, I, so I watched this guy do four hours, just just shy. I came in; he was in the middle of the case. I watched the last four hours of that one, and then I watch him like take a brief nap just right at the nurse's station, just like take a little 20 minute nap. They of course had to wake him up. Like we're ready. We're ready. Wake up, wake up, wake up. He finally wakes up. He goes to the bathroom for 10 minutes. They got a knock on the door. Did you fall in? What's going on? We got to get this case going. He Then he does another one. So he does two cabbages in a row. So that's 16 hours plus about 45 minutes in between I won't be the first guy. <laughs> if I gotta yeah. get that procedure, I won't be the first guy. I do not want to be his last one after he's already worked for, yeah, it's too long. They do that in general. I mean, I honestly think 12-hour days, 12-hour shifts for nurses is too long. They don't make our docs work that long. They they work 9- or 10-hour shifts, about 10 in, in total if you add up when they actually got to get there. And then everybody else, like the less, the least important people, like, or as far as not least important, but the, they have less, uh, legal and medical responsibility, like lab techs, housekeeping services. Those people only work the eight hour shifts. And I'm like, don't you want it the opposite? Don't you want the people that have the greatest likelihood of fucking something up to be the most well-rested? Nope, they do it the complete opposite. And then I watched uh, I watched somebody, he had, I think he did four or five C-sections that day. He was about ready to go home. And then they get another one show up that's going to need to have a C-section. And instead of just like calling somebody else in, they like begged him to stay, and so he stayed. They d- they're doing this all the time, and like I want to know who's doing my surgery, and I want to know how long it's been since they've taken a fucking nap. Well, those we don't get to know are, that they're just like businesses too. At the end of the hundred percent, hundred percent, get another C section out of that guy and charge fifty thousand for yeah. it. Yeah. That just pay. They got like a free one for yep. that day. Yep. All right. I just, man, I just looked at the clock for the first time. I didn't realize it was almost one a.m. Yeah. Over here, and for you, it's one p.m. Yeah. Uh, it's so, not. We were back at. Or you guys oh, you're back. you're back. So now you're. It's about almost. Noon. Yeah. It's okay. just about noon here. Yeah. I gotta go pour agar plates. Agar agar plates. You gotta agar. pour the agar 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 plates. <laughs> 
auger cool. plates. We gotta get a shirt that just says agar, agar. Oh yeah, agar. I get a mushroom shirt too. <laughs> Ooh, nice. That that's exactly the mushroom shirt I would expect you to be wearing, Ed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exact yeah, one. As I'm getting my dick sucked by a lady boy in the bathroom later. Oh, my but God. oh third but hour, I can swear, right? <laughs> uh you're supposed to wait another fourteen minutes, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, speaking of That's mushroom okay. shirts, um, I'm the just, socials, <laughs> every night they had a social at NAMA and I didn't know that oh. it was an unwritten rule that I had to come with my strongest mushroom clothing yeah. game. Oh yeah. There were mushroom prints I have never seen or conceived of in my life. I don't know where they got these from. I don't know if they had them custom painted in Malaysia, but there was some impressive i mean if there for no other reason if you consider going to a nama foray it would be to go to the parties in the evening and just see a room full of people wearing mushroom shirts <laughs> it was amazing or even the club events like the the club like in the michigan uh-huh. i don't know how active they are anymore but if your state's got a mushroom club like on NAMA, if you go to the website, it'll have the clubs listed by state. And I don't know, uh-huh. it seems like they don't, I don't know how active they are anymore. But before we had the internet and Facebook, everybody went to like meet real people. Right. And right. like you'd go to hunt mushrooms on the weekend. And yeah, lots of booze, lots of food. Yeah. When I was like 28 going there with my girlfriend, all these people, they'd rock up just food and everything because they, you know, they, they looked at us like their grandkids. And right. it's just like, Ah, oh, it's crazy, man. Just getting blitzed on like at like twelve o'clock on Saturday. <laughs> You're like, wait, I gotta right. drive an hour home. But it's okay, it's four PM. Nobody right. can know cops out now. <laughs> that's the stra- that's the that's the pro tip people don't know about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just gotta time it. My <laughs> man, my dad used to say, just whatever you do, get home before two AM because I guess he read one time some data that basically said essentially everybody after 2 a.m. that's not drive, driving a semi-truck is probably inebriated. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's an yeah. easy one. Yeah. 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 Cool, man. Stay home. So, guys, the moral of the story is uh, NAMA's pretty cool. You got to decide if you're actually interested in mycology or if you just like growing shrooms. Um I definitely like it all. I, I like I probably like mushrooms before I like magic mushrooms. Um but not everybody does and that's fine. We'll still a lot of podcasts will be talking about growing and cultivating cubes. Sometimes we'll be talking about spiritual stuff, sometimes we'll be talking about science stuff. You know, we're gonna try to talk about all of it. I don't know how often I'm gonna be talking about culinary aspects of uh mushrooms, but that's a thing too. Anyway, we're we're going to have some interesting guests coming up here in the next couple months. We're going to have people who are using fungus to make art. We're going to talk about um, extractions. We're going to talk about all sorts of interesting things. Um, should be a good time next couple months. Uh, definitely hoping in the, uh, the fall and winter here, I'm going to try to do some more uh, educa- educational content. Um, just some more like short form educational content just to give people stuff to think about. And like Ed's saying, just different entry points to get people to take the next step um, 
easy to say, uh, I love mushrooms, harder to actually be about that loving mushrooms life. So we're going to try to do a little bit more of that stuff. Anyway, I want to shout out Alan Rockefeller. I'm telling you guys, the whole freaking weekend that guy was helping people out, answering questions. I watched this guy just getting hounded constantly. He was running night four eights. He was, I mean, he, he was putting in the work. He is definitely making himself available for people. Mandy Quirk put on an amazing event. Uh, shout out to Mandy. She did a great job. Um, and then got to see uh, a bunch of other people just working tirelessly to both make the event happen and to, uh, you, you know, do the whole foray thing of gathering species, biodiversity survey, all that kind of stuff. Uh, it, it was really cool to see just how many people really care about mushrooms. I'm going to tell you right now, the most casual mushroom person could compete with any one of us regular old, you know, cube growers as far as uh, just general interest. There's, if you want to go hang out with a bunch of people that truly, truly love mushrooms and they do it for the love of the mushrooms and not just what monetary gain can be had, um, definitely consider doing a NAMA foray. It was, it was pretty fun. Um, anyway, and Ed, it's a pleasure as always. We, we hit all the important things. We had a couple tense moments. Wouldn't, wouldn't be a hangout if we didn't have them. We talked about ladyboys. We talked about <laughs> criminal activity. I mean, we we ran the gamut for I sure. Know. We were a little thin on science tonight, like molecular biology. We'll, we'll have to we'll, we'll hit all the weak points the next time. Um, anyway, uh, everybody, I really appreciate uh, you sticking around until almost one a.m. Okay. And for uh, all you people who watch it uh, after the fact. Uh, you know, and who watch it in piecemeal, then good for you. You got through it. I really appreciate it. Um, and now we're going to let Ed go pee and we're going to yeah. let Geeky go to sleep. Uh, I just peed down my pants. <laughs> <laughs> the thing See, is, we just. That's the strategy you use in prison, you know? If, if <laughs> Oh, wow. That, that I picked up some tips, you know? That if, if, is... if that guy's coming and you. Well, you know. Wow. That is what happened what happens. I think that for me might happen naturally. I don't <laughs> I don't even know if it has to be a strategy. Oh, that, that that's after like the third or fourth time. Yeah, that 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 might might be the case anyway. <laughs> See, now I'm going to have to go do something like that cuz I'm just talking shit, but like I know like I'm going to I need to like follow up on some of these threats. I'm curious. All right. Well, <laughs> Ed's been live streaming lately, guys. Okay, let's do an online poll. If if I'm gonna get sucked <laughs> off, who am I? Philip Gate, normal gay Filipino who was married and had two kids, or Thai lady boy who has boobs. Whatever makes you the most triggered, Ed, is the one I'm going for. <laughs> Maybe both. That hey, <laughs> I think if if it'll be a double header. But there I you go. <laughs> wow, you've waited all night to make that joke. <laughs> I it's my first threesome with two other dudes. <laughs> Add okay. it with two girls, but now it's going to be two dudes. All no right. <laughs> you guys, quality content, 
exactly the kind of stuff you expect from Ed Grand PhD. No professional um, like Professor Ed. Action. Yep. It just this is good. You're you're normalizing and humanizing PhDs. This is exactly what needs to happen. Good. I hope this works out because I'll never get a job in academia again. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ed, as long as long as you don't do what I do, which is um like just bombastically name species that I haven't uh, microscopically investigated or, uh, you know, oh, no. run definitive IDs on, you'll, you'll be okay. I used to do the same thing, man. And don't just like, I, I don't I just like hand out holotypes, like buy one, get one free sales. <laughs> as long as you're not doing that, it's, it's all good. You should do like a, a mission impossible thing and go like steal the holotypes. Do, 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 do. Now they're all that, in like you know Marlboro Red. That that is boxes. a Fox Searchlight movie right there. That is like yeah. independent, independent movie. Some super nerdy stuff. Yeah, get a bunch of phylogeneticists to go rob or bury it. I feel like maybe they're not going to buy that storyline. I feel like Patrick Bateman would be in that movie, or Justin I, Bateman. Sorry, Patrick I, Bateman is the guy from American Psycho. I doubt That's they have high security. So you probably have to like pick one of those like wafer locks on like a filing cabinet. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, somebody like, somebody just said oh. um, 50 years from now, they'll still be pulling out the old Ladyboy podcast. Yeah. And that just made me think 50 years from now, somebody will be like, who are you talking about? Oh, is that those guys that used to talk about Ladyboys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. oh. Ah, uh, it's fairly normal here. I, uh, we, yeah, I, I know a guy who does that exclusively. He, he's like a nor, he's a normal straight guy, but that's what he likes. You'd be surprised here, man. Dudes, they switch pretty quick, just like prison. Yeah, like yeah. they they switch pretty quick, man. Like that, you'd be surprised. It's like wow. Dude's like I said, at this rent. point in my life, nothing surprises me. It, it shouldn't. It's like. Everything's out there. It's like it's wide open now, man. Yeah. Do whatever the hell you want. I'm just trying to both keep up with all the crazy shit Ed's saying and then reading the jokes that are rolling in in, in the live chat. I purposely left the chat off because I didn't want to get this. It's so hard when I'm doing the live streams, reading the chat and like responding to questions. Oh my gosh. I find it's a good strategy for me to keep my mouth shut and let let the guests talk more. So yeah, I... uh, it's been good. Man, I tell you what, doing the pre-recorded podcast, it's made me appreciate shutting my mouth more. Like ask a question and I used to do the mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, mm. And that just like fucks up the editing pretty hardcore. So I'm just learning as someone with ADHD who has oh. no problems running his mouth. Yeah, it's oh. it's been a, a reality check for me. So Anyway, I'm getting I'm I'm getting better at it slowly but surely. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Anyway, yeah, editing I can't be bothered at. It take must take hours and hours and hours. It can, yeah. And I'm and I'm lucky because I get to use this multi-track editor where once you get all the footage lined up, then you're just basically pressing buttons. But the problem is like you got to fuck with the audio and yeah, it's like the Rachel Harris podcast literally took me an entire week to edit. It, it was a lot of work. So 
Yeah, and Michael Mamas just pointed out if you pre-recorded this, you would have had to add up seventy percent. Exactly. That's what I was just thinking. Exactly. Like, oh shit. It, this isn't pre-recorded. <laughs> yep. So uh we're gonna leave uh on that note. Um well, this might be the last time y'all see me. No. I'm, no, no, no. I'm gonna no, be no. sucking dick <laughs> sucking dick in a high prison later after <laughs> I mean, I think we already know how quickly I Ed's sh- going to make that decision. I know, yeah. I shaved earlier this morning, so maybe I look pretty enough. Is that another strategy? You pee yourself and then you grow a big beard? Is that, so that it, the way you make yourself yeah. unappealing in prison? It'd be easier to clean out of my beard if I'm shaved shorter. No one in prison has be beards, of, do they? A lot of demand. Not a lot. I wonder why that is. <laughs> I don't know why. Anyway, Keep the dried stuff out of their beard. Um, somebody just said, I saw Hamilton Morris smoke an Amanita. Yeah, man. I don't know if you went to Michael Fest, but I, I'm pretty sure you could have watched him smoke quite a few things there. Um, anyway, guys, get into mycology, right? Like we throw that word around a lot, um, <clears throat> but it's the study of fungus. So, you know, if all you're doing is growing cubes, that's cool. You're a cultivator, right? I'm here for cultivators. My mission statement is centered around cultivation of mushrooms for sure. But you can't just be talking about growing mushrooms <clears throat> in the context of all the other stuff we're doing. At some point in time, you know, you've heard Paul Stamets talk you, you you just your interest broadens, right? This is just a really natural thing go, that's going on. Um, yeah. So now Michael Mamas just said, I don't know why we don't have more women listening to the podcast. <laughs> Michael Mamas, they were never listening, e- even in the before I even knew Ed. I would look at my uh, analytics, and it would be like one or point two uh, percent what was women. I don't. I don't know if uh, Ed uh, in my tranny boy talk is is doing anything. It's probably not helping, though. Sure, but again, most people, dude, between you and me, most people watch a half hour and then they turn it off. A lot of people come back and finish it, but yeah, most most people are not watching the entire thing unless they're like doing lab work or something like that. That's all, that's all right. It's all good. Yeah, that's what people like the long for. They're just like I think so. Yeah, Jade daily chores or making yeah. substrate or something like. Or that. I get a lot of people. I had somebody when I stopped doing the lives and I started doing pre-recorded, and for a while they were shorter. Um, I had a couple people go like, "Yo, I'm a truck driver, or I drive a lot for work, and I'm really pissed off that you're making your podcast short now because now I can't get to my destination." Yeah, I'm like, well, that is not my problem, but I I hear you. I understand that because, yeah, sometimes you just want to listen. You'd rather listen to mushroom stuff. It doesn't matter really yeah. what it is, just yep. something about mushrooms. And it's like, exactly. Or just people who love mushrooms talking not about mushrooms yeah. apparently is also okay. We're talking about sucking dick. That's where penis we go. Penis envy, you know, the story of penis envy and Hamilton mm-hmm. Morris. And- there you go. I don't know how we got there, but we did. Guys. All right. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, you, you know, I, uh, 
I had no time to prepare this, and I think that's abundantly clear. But I hope you guys had a good time, just Ed and I shooting the shit, talking about NAMA, talking about uh, why that organization is very impressive and worth being a part of if you're, uh, you know, if, if your love of mushrooms goes beyond just one species. Because there's a couple more. And you can devote the next 50 years of your life to it, and you probably still won't even learn about 10% of them. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Never going to know everything about mushrooms. Ever. Yeah. Maybe that's why a lot of people don't go further, is it's just so unbelievably intimidating. Yeah. Don't be, that's it. Don't be intimidated. Just start. You'll, you'll, you'll find your little niche and like just run with it. It is intimidating though. I still don't know shit. It's the same thing the Dunning-Kruger. The mm-hmm. more I get educated, the more I realize I don't know shit about mushrooms. Yeah. There you go. Somebody make a meme about that. I don't know shit about mushrooms. There it is, guys. Oh, yeah, those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't those wait people. for those people to... They're back at it again. Lose interest. Yeah. yeah it's like ridiculous. It's all good. I know why it bugs them so much, so it's all good. Yeah, that's the Doesn't fact that bother it bugs, me in the, the least. fact that it bugs them is what makes me happy. Yeah. Like you have to take certain joy in like the fact that you irritate the shit out of other people. Yeah. I mean, like I'm doing something right. You fucking hate me. I'm doing something right. Right. They're the litmus test. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No need to worry about those people. Eek, eek. What is it the saying? You can please everybody some of the time, some some of the people all the time, but you can't please everybody all the time. There you go. Yeah. But don't don't. It's gonna be like that. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we did it. I don't think I was specifically trying to hit four hours, but we did it. And uh, on that note, uh, hope everybody has a good week. Geeky's got to get some more content together and figure out uh, which of the handful of people who have committed to being on the podcast is actually going to show up. I have definitely recently had trouble getting easy for people to say yes, hard for people to actually show up and put their money where their mouth is. So yeah, that's been, uh, it's been an ongoing struggle anyway. Uh, until next week, I'd love to tell you who's going to be on next week, but I have no idea. But until then, I hope you guys, uh, grow some mushrooms Enjoy some mushrooms, maybe even learn about something about mushrooms you didn't know about before. (laughs) Just earn earn that mycology term. Or prison. You learn something about prison. Or, yep, make some life choices like I might or might not make later today or tonight. All right, guys. Until next week. (laughs) See you, guys. Oh. Thank you.